This is Big Sean. Where's Fifth Harmony? What's happening? This is Adam Levine from Maroon 5. I'm Calvin Harris. Yours truly, Jason Derulo. Hi, we're One Direction, and this is Gary Hoffman. This is Selena Gomez. This is Shannon Farron. This is Rihanna. Gary. What's up, guys? This is Justin Bieber. Shannon. And you are behind the scenes. Gary and Shannon. Follow me into the door. If I am 640 more stimulating talk, it is the Gary and Shannon Show for Thursday, the 15th of March, 2018. Welcome, everybody. Brian Suits filling in. <clears throat> that was me just tuning the computer. That's uh, There's a couple things that we have to play just to make sure the computer is completely tuned up for the next four hours. Look me straight in the nipples and tell me I didn't just nail that. So there's that. Um, well, we are looking at this Miami Herald video that was released at... 9 a.m. Pacific time, um, as per a court order, Miami Herald suing the, the county of Broward, or whoever, I guess, had the, the video at uh, the high school in Parkland, Florida, where the uh, the Nicholas Cruz shooting happened. And But never mind us, uh, we are rank amateurs here. I, I have tasked... A former U.S. Army Delta Force operator um, with more than 10 years of operational experience in the Delta Force to look at the video and give us his critique here at 1030. So, uh, Producer Nick, this is news to you. Uh, yes, I'll give you guys number, and uh, we'll talk to him at 1030 because this is a super segment, and so I can't tell you during the uh, during the break because there, there ain't no break. And so... Okay, we're we're going to talk, talk until the talk is all done. That's how this works. And the contest is still in effect, just not yet. So we'll um, we'll talk with uh, Tom Bigley, former Delta Force operator. And <clears throat> what we're seeing in the video, basically, is they edit together. Um, I, I, I guess it starts minutes before the shooting. There's a brief bit of Nicholas Cruz going in the school. And uh, but primarily, or, or is there? I don't think there is actually. Primarily, the, the this this is not, you know, a montage of videos from different angles around the school. This specifically is video reinforcing what the Broward County Sheriff's Department said about their school resource office officer, Deputy Scott Peterson, and his inaction uh, against department policy, his inaction, which led to his suspension and then resignation. So it is footage of him getting in a golf cart and going from one building on the sprawling campus to the building where the shooting was happening. And then uh, what we can see in the in the background, uh, he basically takes up station on the, uh, the the west side of building 12, and then he doesn't move. He's on his radio. You can see him raising the radio to to his mouth region, and then he just stays stationary. He does not. Uh, this supports what everything that the sheriff said. Uh, now they they also there was another report that we saw that depicted him as hiding behind a tree, or something like that. That that we're not seeing. But the the other part about the Palm Beach whatever it was, the local municipality, the uh, members of their SWAT team arrived before Broward County, and they asked this uh, this deputy, Peterson, for the keys to the building, and evidently he threw him the keys. So we're looking for that part. But So anyway, we'll talk to a Delta Force guy about what, what should have happened, what, what should the armed, trained, experienced guy be doing 
uh, in the, I don't know, six minutes or so that he's standing there as the shooting is happening, and it's completed. It's done. By the time authorities arrive, it's done. So his window of opportunity is uh, closing rapidly the, the, for, with every minute he's standing there. Um, well, so I don't know what to call this. Should we should we call this "Let's Denounce California"? I don't know. It's uh, we uh, there is a, a prominent cluster of anti-California stories that have fallen on our desk. No, I shouldn't say anti-California. Crapping on California? Yeah. Well, how about Crapifornia? Because <laughs> it's not none of this is California's fault. Caltrans workers, my, uh, because of porn. On state computers, they could cost the taxpayers more than $5 million. And I understand that's a laughable amount in uh, Sacramento. Uh, Kevin DeLeon, I don't know where to begin with with stupid with this guy, but he has publicly hired an illegal alien to an official state post for the state of California. So we'll, we'll get to that here in, in just a second. And also, uh, hey, California, uh, yesterday we heard that uh, pedestrian deaths were up like 200 percent or whatever. Well, never mind that. Sex trafficking is up 842 percent. California leads. And not just California, L.A. County. <clears throat> and the virtually unknown circumstances that led to this in many, many uh, cases. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Oh, let me start with the porn. And then, by the way, does Monica Ricks, you're, you're one of those young, hip kids. Okay. Have you ever heard of uh, H1Z1 or Fortnite, these online games that are yeah. battle royales? Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know what in the HE double hockey six we're talking about, um, there there are several online games where you play against people all around the world, and they're all kind of the same format. The, the format is... You're in a world very much like our own, a suburban world with abandoned cars and houses. But there's a there's in, in one game called H1Z1, there's a poison gas that is closing in on you. And you, every round, you and 50 random people from around the world uh, parachute into this town. And then you have to run around and find guns and medical kits and helmets and armor. And the rule the rules are you have to kill absolutely everyone you see because there's only one winner. It's so you can't collaborate. You can't make teams uh, in in the most most common one. And you have to. And that, because of the poison gas, it keeps pushing you all closer to the center of town. Now, I'll I will admit this. I play one of them. I'm not very good at it yet. It's kind of fun. I can definitely see the attraction. But it's so. And this there's another game that. Xbox advertised during the the Super Bowl called Player Unknown's Battleground, called PUBG, and it's the same thing, same format. You got to kill everybody, and it was it it was that commercial on the Super Bowl where all those people are in a plane, different outfits, different body types, and all jumping out of the plane. That was that Xbox commercial. <clears throat> the Chinese did not allow that game into their country until the last a couple months ago, because the Chinese don't want citizens simulating picking up firearms and shooting cops and other people. But they finally relented because there's money uh, in the game. And I should say part of the deal is uh, as you build a character, you can sell it for real money online. You can 
you can sell supplies and you can build a character and sell it to somebody for a thousand bucks. I mean, it's, did you know that, Monica? There's there's money in that thing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, these they're, games are huge. Not only is the world's first uh, online game uh, auditorium right here in Burbank, but some of the people who play that for teams, they make like a million bucks a year. Oh, there's, that's there's, a lot. I didn't know it was that much. There's 19 year old sophomores at UCLA that make a million bucks a year. As Blake is staring daggers at me, wondering why he's behind an engineering board at KFI. Um, and so, by the way, you're, you're you're the target demo. Do you play any of these KFIs, Blake? I do not. I am not terribly good at combat video games, and I often find them very repetitive and not uh, not that all intriguing. It's a softy. Yeah, I just play. But to be honest, I play. Oftentimes, one game. people say often. I play one game and I play FIFA, and that's it. Oh, yeah, soccer. Well, so <clears throat> anywho. Uh, there's a new, but the the Chinese the Chinese are hacking these games big time, and they're almost unplayable now because so many people have cheats. Now there's a new game called Fortnite. It's the same thing. And last night, the uh, the hip hop artist named Drake, um, uh, oh yeah, was online playing. Did you hear? I mean, yeah, th- I heard about that. This is kind of like for 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 most KFI listeners, this is the world that you don't even know about that your kids are all hyped up about today. <laughs> Because Drake, the hip hop artist, who who's a super funny guy in real life on TV and stuff, he's a, he doesn't need he's very smart, yeah, yeah. Real, and he, and Canadian, um, and so he was playing Fortnite, and, it, and and I don't know what you were watching on TV last night, normal TV, but there were nearly, I believe, at some points, over a million people watching on their mobile mobile devices or or tablets. Watching a hip hop artist play a video game. He set a record. <laughs> uh, what did, did what did it, what did it peek out at? And uh, I think wait, hold on, let me see. Because he's mic'd up. He's ta- as he's doing it, he's talking. So there is actually an entertainment value to this if if you have someone who's who's, who's playing uh, correctly. But because a, a, a hip hop artist crossed over into this other world of online video game viewing, like and Bill Handel's uh, one of his daughters does this for League of Legends. Where people follow her and they give her money, she's playing and all that. But but it, it's it's a absolutely you know wacky revolution in entertainment that that most people don't know about. But here's what I found out um, uh, through mentioning it live is that I I'm I'm middle aged guy. I play these. Turns out there's millions of us. Yeah, Mi- millions of us. Who so it this? was through it was through a program called Twitch, and it just had the Which most streams of games, yeah. right? So the most viewers at one time it was six hundred thirty thousand. The previous record was three hundred eighty-eight thousand. Probably so. beats most uh, most uh, network TV. Uh, I bet you. You know, here is a fascinating uh, fun fact: your chance to win a thousand dollars is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six four zero smile eight 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 six four zero smile. Keep listening. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the these are 800,000-plus eyeballs that were not streaming Netflix, not watching ABC, not even watching the NCAA tournament, uh, and but they were watching a guy play a video game, which... which a if, huge celebrity wa- playing yeah, a video yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're not following along, uh, this, is be- this is a sport. I mean, when people say, that's not a sport, you're just sitting there. Well, I, I don't know, you could say that about golf or NASCAR. I suppose. You're sitting there and turning left in NASCAR. But in, in video games, uh, now is a sport. And, a mental sport. Yeah. And, and there are teams. Former former Laker, Rick Fox, he has a team called Team Fox. Six or seven guys, they make a big-ass salary, and that's all they do is they play video games. And then they, they have winnings when they win tournaments. And it's televised and the whole thing. So I'm sure someday, back in 1883, 
Someone said, or I, I, I get, yeah, I get 1894. Somebody said, that's not rugby. Look, that chap picked it up and threw it in a for, forward of the line of scrimmage. That's an outrage. That's not rugby. But this, this is the way it is. And the, uh, the continued destruction of our human race through di- <laughs> type 2 diabetes uh, just continues. I forgot, during super segments, do we throw to the news? Or is that just during nope. a super-duper segment? Keep going. You're doing oh, okay. great, buddy. So, anywho, that's what happened in your popular culture last night. Drake, the Canadian, uh, playing a video game, p- peeled 800,000 eyeballs off of uh, regular television, which the Lord intended us to watch, where someone else scripts it, other people read those uh, those lines and it's videoed, edited together, and it's delivered between commercials to you. But but loads and loads of people are uh, are, are breaking that that I believe uh, biblically sacrosanct uh, format. Well, meanwhile, Caltrans. Uh, here was the thing: the the porn ring was broken up a couple months ago. There was an employee. And let, let, let's say uh, employee Elizondo. A couple of years ago in 2009, employee Elizondo, Rachel Elizondo, had claimed that she found misfeasance, malfeasance, and then she was, uh, she felt, she, she said she was ostracized after reporting financial mismanagement, which I would imagine, by the way, can anyone believe that there would be accusations of financial mismanagement at Caltrans? I, I was shocked, I say. So uh, anyway, a jury, when she sued over her ostracization, she sued and a jury sided with Caltrans in 2009. So again, she wasn't suing over the financial mismanagement. She was suing over the what she felt was harassment for even bringing it up. So what what a ringing endorsement of the employment environment there at Caltrans, by the way. So anyway, um, along she comes a couple of years later. And she finds, um, and I guess the way this worked is a, a supervisor asked her to scan her computer for porn. I, I don't quite understand that part. She found porn. And not only did she, uh, this is uh, according to the Sacramento Bee, a supervisor asked her to check his computer, and she discovered a cache of pornography. So the uh, the deal was, she asked him, can you keep it quiet that I found this because I have kind of a reputation here? Well, evidently, it was not kept quiet. Others found out that 62-year-old Rachel Elizondo was basically the person saying, you know, teacher, you forgot to assign homework. And she was ruining everybody's state computer-funded porn surfing at Caltrans. So this time she did get actually harassed, according to a jury. Some of them told her friends not to talk to her. Others, quote, glared, close quote, at her. The car she drove to work was damaged twice in that time frame, too. Okay, so fast forward uh, to a few weeks ago. She gets awarded $605,000. Not $58 million, but 604000 Pardon me, 605000 This is a San Joaquin County jury awarding her uh, the 605 large. It's her attorney now that is... Uh, claiming he he did the uh, the the notice and that's the precursor to a lawsuit. He wants four point six million to cover his legal costs. Uh, evidently, that's what he's saying. That okay, my client, my client got the six hundred and five large, but me, I'm out nearly four and a half million. 
plus truck driving school. So I need $4.6 million out of uh, Caltrans. So that is how Caltrans, your esteemed, uh, un- unimpeachable state agency, just might cost us $5 million. And you know what that means for Caltrans? $5 million for Caltrans, that instead of repaving 10 feet of a median, they're going to have to paint attorney. So I hope you're outraged. A median, I'm sorry, a median in uh, Kernville. They're going to have to uh, pay out $5 million to uh, an attorney. But we are going to have to pay out $1,000. If you want some money, listen up. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. Excellent. Answer the phone, even if it's uh, from a number that you don't recognize. Uh, and if it's a number you do recognize, hang the hell up on them. Your next chance to win is next hour. If uh, you have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. And uh, we'll get to human. We'll get to more sunshine stories here in just a second, uh, human trafficking. Uh, was there, and also news, Hound, Monica Ricks, was there a winner to Powerball? The, it was $440 million. Mm. Well, I don't know what it closed at. I don't know if there was a single winner, but here's my encounter. This is why I'm really... Uh, I'm not. I'm not pissed. I don't know why Blake is pissed at me, but I'm not pissed at anyone. All I know is this morning at the Santa Clarita drive-through Starbucks, uh, right there at the uh, I five on on ramp. I decided, you know what? I can't let this ticket burn a hole in my pocket. I have to know. So I park, go in, get my Starbucks, go next door into the the Quickie Mart, scan the ticket, and the words "winner" came up. And, I mean, for a nanosecond, the words winner in blue LED comes up, and then a nanosecond later it says $7. And it's almost worse. Well, it is. It's worse than not winning. Because if you don't win and it rolls over, you're like, oh, then I'm not meant to win now. I meant to win the, the one Saturday or whatever. But it came up and said, winner, $7. And now it's almost like, well, that's my luck. Now I can't play for a year. I'm not, I'm wasting money. But I won $7 cash. No one won this Whoa. week. So the but, jackpot but goes higher. Then now I'm more pissed because that was my luck. Mm. I won something. I'm, I'm part of the 1% of people who actually did win something on that ticket. I only won the $7, which is more than five. Better than zero. And then, yeah. you know, what? and then, of course, I, the same reason I walk away from blackjack tables she said, do you want to roll it over or do you want it in cash? And I said, oh, come cash. And of course you take the cash. But so I'm a little I'm a little pissed. But I do feel like I'm never spending this. A five and two ones. I almost asked for seven ones. But I went with a five and two ones. So that happened. So it roll it rolls over. So it's going to be. And that's, I'm, I'm that guy that, you know, it, I, I won't waste money in the lottery if it's 30 million bucks. But when it starts getting into surplus B2, like four hundred fifty million, then yeah, I'm playing because I feel stupid for not spending two bucks just on that on that chance. But I, I but I spent two one seven. So I'm no mathematician, but I believe I'm ahead of the game. Um, unlike thousands of young women and uh, and or I should say girls and boys from 2014 who uh, came across the U.S. border in the false belief that there would be uh, an amnesty. Well, uh, with California leading the way um, now three years later, human trafficking, especially in the sex and labor trades, jumped again last year 
and has surged 842% since the creation of a federally supported hotline for victims. Um, why Why now? Um, many of you are saying, saying what, what, what happened between, say, 2014 and 2018? Well, if you were not paying attention back in 2014, you'll recall trains full of kids were sent from Central America and Mexico to cross the goal line of the United States in the false belief that there would be some kind of blanket amnesty. It turned out to be, you know, there was the, the clock ticking on the DREAM Act is what it was, that if you were a dreamer, and you were brought here by your parents by a certain deadline, you wouldn't be deported. You would get your you would register as DACA. Well, obviously, there was no need to prove who your parents were because that might that would be oppressive to have to name the illegal aliens that brought you into the United States. So you got to walk into the sunlight. So we have no idea how many hundreds of kids made it to El Paso. We have no clue how many were killed by uh, pimps, murderers, robbers, whatever, uh, between Central America and the U.S. border. But the ones who came across the U.S. border, we had no facilities to take care of them, also because when Obama signed that executive order, he had absolutely no clue that parents in Central America would actually put their 9- and 10-year-old kids on trains and say, go to the U.S. for that amnesty. Because we don't live like that, we can't think like that. So the net result was, remember... Thousands of unaccompanied minors in Southern California. Where where are we going to put them? If you live in Ventura County, don't shout out the answer, okay? As you recall, one of the big refugee centers was the Port Wainimi Naval Station. And FEMA took over the facility, took it from the Navy. The Navy said, it's not our business. And we don't do that. That's not what we do. We're the Navy. You take care of unaccompanied minors. Well, so weeks and weeks go by. The place is filling up. There's bunks. There's violence, there's rape, all kinds of bad crap. The administration has no idea what to do with these kids, so they they put the ball in FEMA's court. FEMA is not a child resettlement agency. They have no one who knows what to do either. So they pull a policy straight out of their FEMA hole, and what was initially, we'll sign these kids out to relatives here in the U.S. Oh, sorry, no illegal aliens. They didn't have any relatives in the U.S., and no illegal alien is going to come forward and go, hello, I am undocumented. Give me a kid. Give me my third cousin or whatever. So by the time they were done, it was basically if the minor wanted to leave with someone who would sign them out, and they would sign out and, and say they were going with someone responsible, they would be able to leave. So you know who lined up there? Human traffickers, the word was out, line up at Port Wainimi and fill your van with 15-year-old girls. And that's why from from Fraser Park to Redding, California, the truck stops are now filled in 2018 with these girls. And you know how much cooperation the state of California is giving the U.S. Marshal Service in these raids? None. Bupkis. Becerra. I, here's my new word for zero. Becerra. Full Becerra. Uh, All right, when we come back, a former Delta Force operator will uh, break down the video that was just released uh, an hour ago by the Miami Herald and Broward County Sheriff's Department of the shooting at Parkland. What should that deputy have been doing besides just standing there? Uh, Right after this, it's Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suit filling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Stimulating talk, Brian Sitch filling in. Tomorrow, by the way, Jane Wells from CNBC 
uh, will join me. And uh, our folksy anecdotes and witty banter will keep you clamoring for more. So uh, listen to Mari. Uh, Jane, really good friends, can be uh, in here. Well, so the Miami Herald sued for the release of the video from Parkland, uh, um, the, I mean, from the, the high school in Parkland, Florida, uh, where the shooting occurred uh, and 17 were killed. Um, <clears throat> and the, I guess the decision came in on Monday, but it took three days to pixelate out faces and things like that. Uh, the faces of kids. They didn't pixelate out the deputy's face. Um, and uh, so the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, uh, and it's been released at MiamiHerald.com. I tweeted out a link to it, and it's a total of about 27 minutes long. But a lot of it is the same shot. majority of it is the same shot from Building 15 to the east at Building 12 where Deputy Scott Peterson uh, just stands there. So I sent the link to a friend, Tom Bigley, former Delta Force uh, operator, U.S. Army, retired um, over uh, over 10 years in Delta Force and a close-quarters combat uh, expert. And, well, you I, I know you probably didn't have time to sit through the whole thing, and uh, but I, like I said, if you see the first eight minutes, you pretty much are seeing it, so... What, what yeah, should this guy have standard. done? Well, before I do that, let me just mention that um, my dad passed away on Tuesday, a uh, Korean War vet, 89 years old in Florida. And I'd just like to say that. And uh, not that your audience knows him, but he was in Florida. Thank God he wasn't at the school there. He probably would have acted, however. But I yeah, honor, honor, honor your dad, by, by all means. Yeah, but um, in reference to this guy, and if you listen to some of the radio traffic stuff that they had, previously to this, um, it's clear that he wasn't going in and he didn't want anybody else going in. And, you know, personally, I think he's a coward, and that was what it basically boils down to. He was scared about what was going on because the the fact is everybody's supposed to go to the sound of the gunfire to stop the act. That's really all they're supposed to do. And and tell backup to stop at an intersection or some baloney when you have no idea what's going on and somebody's shooting, and even if he thought they were shooting out behind the school, you still got to go in and secure the children. Whatever, you go and try to affect the shooter. And you don't have to be a Delta Force operator to figure that out. Um, You know, we see this on live PD all the time. You know, these guys react to stuff, whether it's a DV or something, where somebody's trying to hurt somebody and they run right into the room. And this is this is part of the aftermath of Columbine was when closed circuit TV got out and those two sort of the initial mass school shooting uh, shooters, right. Bolton Harris, they had the run of the school for I, I want to say like forty five minutes or something. They had these the kids cowering in the library and they were sitting there haranguing them and monologuing, mm-hmm. and then they would occasionally shoot one. And they were they were standing there unmolested for for nearly an hour before police finally before they shot themselves and police went in. Right. Well, that's a different situation in Columbine in the sense of they didn't react that quickly. They they were on scene here, Brian, rapidly. This guy was there. You know, he was right there to stand there for six, five or six minutes, whatever it was, and do nothing. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable. And the only thing I agree with the sheriff over this 
is he said the guy should have went in. Of course he should have. And, that, and the sheriff down there is an idiot, but at least he knows that much. Well, then about- another, another jurisdiction SWAT team showed up, and, and apparently this deputy had committed another cardinal sin. He actually sent misleading or even false updates um, on, on his radio. Uh, and then this, right. uh, this other right. SWAT team showed up, and he threw them his keys. The you know the building was locked, and he threw them his keys. So go on, <laughs> you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of the. He was too scared, and 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 honestly, he shouldn't have been in. Obviously, he shouldn't have been in that situation. He's probably never been tested on anything before. But I mean, he's just a coward. That's the way it goes. And not only is he a coward, then he starts doing stupid things. Like tell the other backup cops to stop and not go in, and when they think maybe he's got some special control or special view of the crime scene, perhaps. But and there was major mistakes, and even if he had gotten in there and had a minute or two to react with this guy, surely he could have been killed. However, he probably would have saved somebody's life, and I think that's what it boils down to. He was too scared and didn't want to go in there. Um, now, what about those firearms experts, like, say, a Diane Feinstein, uh, who say, um, yeah, but the 19-year-old kid who trained online on video games had a mighty, mighty, mighty AR-15, the deadliest weapon ever known in the history of Earth ever, and the police officer simply had a forty-five caliber handgun. Now, you're a Delta Force operator, combat mm-hmm. veteran, building clearing, close combat uh, veteran and expert. In this situation, the cop with 30 years on the streets and a handgun versus the 19-year-old with the AR-15, who's your money on? Well, in this case, it wouldn't have been on this deputy. But if it was me, I would have went in there with a stick and probably beat the guy over the head and took his gun away from him. I've been in a lot of situations where other people were armed, and I wasn't really that concerned because their skill level isn't that high. And in the fact of Iraqis, let's say, or something like that, um, there's no question that you have the ability with a pistol to kill somebody rapidly if you're trained and if you know what you're doing and and easily could have went in there and affected this guy. The fact that he was carrying an AR-15, you know, he could have had a tank bazooka for all that matters. It, if you, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Let me let me let me the question. Let me rephrase the question. Why do you shoot back at someone who is shooting at you? Oh, to suppress them and not and and make them less accurate. Does it scare the and feces then, out of them? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it, and it, not only that, it makes them. You know, our position where I was trained was to close the distance with them rapidly, increase your accuracy to affect that target. And that also, just like back in the old days with the Romans, you know, the charge or the civil war, when you charge somebody and you're shooting at them, it definitely affects their ability to fight. Think. And, and, and follow order. And so, so. and and so uh, well, um, well, I'll tell you, what, we, we got to take a break. When we come back, I just want to ask, uh, you know, m- minimally, is it possible if someone is willing to come forward, uh, a forty-five-year-old uh, teacher, an overweight male, overweight female, whatever, if they if they're willing, uh, do you think that would be effective to train them in this specific situation? So, hang on, 
Uh, Tom Bigley is a former Delta Force operator. He has seen the video out of Broward County, and uh, we'll we'll get his opinion about a very red hot issue uh, when we come back right after this. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM six forty more stimulating talk. Gary and Shannon KFI AM six forty more stimulating talk. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. Uh, they'll be back in hopefully one last time for Bill Handel tomorrow, and I'll be in uh, with Jane Wells for Gary and Shen. Bill is scheduled to be back on Monday. All right, talking with Tom Bigley, former Delta Force operator, U.S. Army, retired uh, combat veteran of many different parts of the, the U.S. Army, but specifically Delta Force, um, which uh, inarguably would be the most highly trained segment of the U.S. military special operations. They specialize in everything from raids on nuclear reactors or whatever to clearing buildings. No one is as good as them. So in in your experience, if a absolute if someone was willing to come forward, whether they had 30 years of firearms experience or they were brand new and they said, all right, my district allows me to have a concealed carry. I've never held a handgun, but I, I want to be able to shoot back at a, the, the, a possible mass shooter in my high school. What are what are you looking at? Are you looking at a day, a month, a year to pr- put that person up to that specific task? Well, I don't think it's a good idea to start off with uh, arming teachers. However, if you had to do it or somebody said this is something you have to do, I think that you just use a, a, a simple standard that they use across the board, which is a uh, law enforcement pistol examination standard. However, that doesn't give you the entire picture because the police officers do a bunch of other training. So unless you want to put somebody through perhaps like six months of this and not just firearm, you know, accuracy training, other factors of of maybe how to attack somebody if they're doing something like this, I think it's a bad idea. Well, what if it was simply I want to stay in my room and protect the 30 kids in my room? Sure. No, I think it's okay for a teacher because I think they have the right to be armed if they're, you know, if they're not a felon or whatever the case may be. If they have a concealed weapons permit and they're carrying a weapon in the classroom to protect themselves or their their little group of people, I think that's fine. And and I don't know if there's some kind of level of training that they are required to have or should be required to have because all of it's too subjective. I think they have the right to protect themselves and their immediate group of people, but I don't necessarily want them running around clearing buildings and right with with but, with, know, with flashbangs. Well, we got an ROTC kid that was was doing the right thing and protecting uh, other students and trying to save people. You know, way braver than the the uh, the guy throwing the SWAT team the keys and. And that may occur if somebody has a little bit more training or is, you know, gets the the position to do something. And I don't think that's bad, but I don't want to train them to do that. I don't want to make it their their job. I want to make it their job to be a teacher. And in these days, that's that's difficult enough. Yeah, we've given up down here in Los Angeles. So the the the, the other the other the you know playing devil's advocate. I know there's a lot of veterans who might want to get into teaching and all that. And I would just have them consider, you know, that you're the logical one who's going to be armed. And so you've made yourself the first target of your school shooter. And it's about as smart as writing a book about how you're the guy that killed bin Laden. 
and here's your home address. I, mean, I don't know if anyone ever did that, but that would be really <laughs> remarkably stupid. So if you are that guy, if you're Mr. Arm Veteran, you just have to think in terms of your enemy who might be a sophomore right now that he, he knows you're the guy most likely to have that weapon. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't worry about that because I'd say, OK, well, if you want to get in a gunfight with me, I'll, I'll take my chances for extra credit. But, the midterm, yeah, the midterm is in October, and if any of you want to sign up for a gunfight, right. I'll kick you up a grade. Uh, yeah, I'll take my chances, and if you win, you know you don't have to take the final. But um, I think again, it goes back to we've got to be reasonable to say we're going to put a sign up that says this is a gun-free zone. Well, gee whiz, I'm thinking that this kid didn't care about that sign and went in there with a gun because he knows nobody else is armed, and maybe he knew this. This uh, deputy guy was a coward already. I, I don't know, but I wouldn't make, and I think that's the point of the Second Amendment is being able to have ultimately wherever you are in the United States, the ability to protect yourself, period. Whether you're in a bank, in a bar. Now, if you do something stupid with the right to carry a weapon, like you get drunk and shoot up the bar or you point the gun at the teller in the bank, you know, Okay, then you lose your right to have it. Well, and that's what jail's for. Right. But to say that there's gun-free zones and there's all these places, you know, prohibited gun zones, I personally think if I'm a a, a holder of a, a concealed weapons permit and I'm not a criminal, I should be able to carry a gun on an aircraft. Yeah. I, I know that's a push. That but but you're a former Delta Force guy. I would hope that you would. Right. Uh, hey, we right. have, we got to wrap it up. I do have late word from okay. Governor Governor Brown has announced that you are never allowed to enter California as long as he's governor. <laughs> so you're bar, you're on the perfect. list, sir. Perfect. Uh, all right, perfect. Tom Bigley. Right. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks. Thank you, my former Delta Force operator, Tom Bigley, a expert in this kind of stuff because he's like done it and junk. Uh, the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Toots uh, back right after this with Justin Warsham from the Dad Podcast on KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. Gary and Shannon Show, Brian Sitzfilling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk, and it is a Thursday, so... Justin Morsham comes in and gets to tell all the rest of us how to raise our kids. That's the point. <laughs> that's, that's from the dad that's, podcast. You know, Gary Chan and never get that, Brian, but you really understand. What oh, I'm doing. well, you know why? Because well, Gary's the perfect parent. <laughs> I think yeah. Gary's a great dad. You know oh, sure. <laughs> oh, anything you don't do that he does doesn't work. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't. I'm. I'm trying really hard to taste the bit here. <laughs> oh, are we on the air? Yeah, we're live. Oh, yeah. That's my bad. Gary Shannon, uh, Brian Seuss. <laughs> no, I, I will say this. I'll say it because I'm all about end results. Um, uh, Gary and Shannon Hoffman, job one, ultra courteous kids. Oh yeah. They're yeah, and not just because they're watching. Like when when no one's watching, his kids are courteous. They're they're and they're teenagers. That's what's amazing. They don't go, no. If you ask them a question, they don't go, I don't know. They go, yes, no, yeah. <laughs> or yes, sir, or no, sir. 
No, I will say this. He, yeah, you can judge parents by how their kids turn out, I, I honestly think. And his, his kids? So, of course, there's years and years for them to mess up their lives. But courteous, clean, hygienic, smart, engaging kids. And how old is Reagan again? Your daughter? She's eight. Eight years old. Yeah. And you can fold both of his kids into my kid. Really? Yeah. That's how smart and courteous he is. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is I, I, I often look at Gary's because I feel like Gary, in my personal opinion, is a very similar parent to me. And I would even lump myself in with you. I think both of you guys seem to have a, I would define it as a more confident grasp on what you do. One of my great moments, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, is that uh, you shared a video of Reagan removing one of her own loose teeth. By firing a bow. With a bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Which... as, as featured on Fox 11, 5 p.m. News. That's correct. <laughs> she tied one end of dental floss to the loose tooth, the other end to the to the uh, the fletching, the, the feathers of the arrow. And it, this is her idea. Her idea. State of California, County of L.A., her idea. In fact, it didn't even happen in California, I believe, in a legally binding yeah, legally, sense. Yeah. And, and, and she tied the other end of the arrow. And she drew it back, 20-pound pole, whoop, lets it go, and the tooth comes out, didn't feel a thing. Oh, that was her awesome. idea. It Instead was... of saying, oh, no, that sounds dangerous, we went, how do you do that? Yes. So it's moments like that. And it, for me, it was hearing about Gary's fight to get his kid a work permit so he could work at a tire shop when he was like 15, 16 years old. I know. And no, now no, you no it was your... older than that. It was insane to me. Your daughter has her own business selling eggs. Yep. Like I, I, I love, I love this thing. I love, I like, and as a, as a dad, I, I mod, I'm, it sounds like I'm kissing up here, but it, it's true. I model. I hope that I can be as good a dad as you guys are, in my opinion. I haven't met your kids yet, even though uh, I, I should say, as I am sitting on the domain dadsbeingrad.com, uh-huh. we still have to have that lunch and figure out what we're going to yeah. do with that. <laughs> I love Cause, this Because we're both dads. Yeah. And we're both rad. Where do you come down? Because we're here to talk today about homework. Where do you come down on the homework situation with Reagan? If she She's got, pretty academically advanced. Yeah, and she just passed her millionth word uh, reading, and she's the leading third grader. No one's even in, in the ballpark of her. Uh, um, and so she's yet to have homework that really is challenging to her. So that's what annoys me, because I'm the same way. I, I never had homework that challenged me, and I, I did it. As I was driving into school, you know, as a junior or even in junior high. So I, I, I have no problem with not more, just better homework. Yes. One of the <clears throat> one of the facts I found is that the research has shown that that's a big part of a determining factor. So overall, what I've learned is that there's this golden rule of 10 minutes for uh, per grade level. So if you're in first grade, 10 minutes. If you're in second grade, 20 minutes every day of homework. And though they and then a a Michigan study found that here in America, we do not abide by that rule that they found that kids that were nine years old or younger were actually getting about three times that amount uh, in homework. So there's this there's this cutoff. So that's like fourth grade. Right now. I'm trying to think of how can I kind of encapsulate. We go on about a 20 year cycle of homework opinions as parents and teachers. So in the 50s, they were asking for more homework during the space race because they're like, we have to compete globally in math and science, right? And then it kind of went the other way. And then in the 70s, that cycle came back around. So by my math, we are kind of coming towards the end of the pushback where parents don't want homework because they they want to have more family time. They want time. the kids to be self-guided. Yeah. Um, and, here, and here's the thing. What I used to do, my dad was an air traffic controller, worked for the FAA, did a bunch of things. 
and he'd be reading all night long. I wanted to pick up whatever he was reading. And if I said something like, like at age of nine, if I was reading and I said, Dad, what does ameliorate mean? He had a dictionary mm-hmm. in the hallway. I walked over to the dictionary and looked up ameliorate. Done deal. And now what I love about 2018 and now that they have the Internet for computers, um, my daughter knows what I'm going to say when she comes up and, and says – what does ameliorate mean? I'm I'm going to say look it up at dictionary.com and then use it in a sentence. Now, so here's what she can do in 2018. She can look it up, use it up, uh, <clears throat> use it in a sentence, plus learn it in Spanish and Russian. Yeah. Uh, at translate.com. I mean, I could not do that. She she then will sit there and I because I, 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 I know not to get annoyed at this. She'll hit play over and over and over. Uh, you know, uh, um, because she's absorbing it. Insurance. Segura dot. Segura dot. Segura dot. Segura dot. Segura dot. Segura dot. And the only thing I can do to make her stop is say it back to her until she's annoyed. That's, that's better. About so that, but that's something that we can do as kids. Right. And it, it's funny because one of the things I've heard from parents at my kid's school is that. And I always a, make her learn it in German. Why? Sicherheit. Because it's funny? It or? sounds better. Yeah, every every guttural phrase sounds better in its original German. In high school, I took three years of German as opposed to Spanish because it was hard to get a spot in the Spanish class. And it just seemed like a fun language to learn. Yeah. It is zero practicality so well, far. Hot chicks were. Really? Huh? Yeah. What? Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, what I, talking to parents, there's also another part of it where a lot of the homework is on the computer. It's, it's like I have Chromebooks for each of my kids. Yeah. There's a directive that you get from the school that is, if your kid is entering kindergarten, rather than just being able to use a tablet, they want them to be familiar with a keyboard and a mouse. And there's a lot of pushback from parents that are saying, well, they get too much computer. And that what about what about all the like other that's stuff? That's a thing. Right. And that's a, that's for me personally. I'm like, well, that's where everything is going. And I get the idea that we want our kids to get out. We want them to get outside. But if you, you can't fight that in the school, they need to be familiar with a computer. And not every kid is going to have access to a computer at home. Do you, your kids go to a district where they're provided a tablet at school? They we so the booster club at my kids elementary school donated. I think it was two iPads per classroom a few years back. And then they've picked up a couple of the knobbies and stuff like that. But since then, the both the district and Booster Club have funded laptop carts where you got about 20 to 30 Chromebooks. Some of them are mobile. My kids' class is lucky enough to have a laptop cart dedicated to their class. And a lot of their language arts and math curriculum stuff is done on that laptop now. Uh, yeah, because I know that we I, there's an in-law who just hates technology. And if she knew right now... My, my daughter likes playing ma- Minecraft and Roblox. Like yeah. every nine-year-old does the online game, you know, the whole thing. I supervise it. I watch who she's playing. But but I told her, if you're going to play it, then I'm going to download the toolkit so you can make your own game. Yes. And so so that's where she is now. It's as fun for her to make her own game, author her own game, and then invite her friends into her game and start charging them money. Right. Because so, her friends are at home going, can I buy this unicorn? It's only two bucks, and all, and she makes some money. So, and uh, that's my that's that's my personal approach to it too, because we live now, unfortunately, in a time where kids don't go out and play in the streets anymore, and I yeah. think that's kind of taken everything within a community, and it's made it more centered into your own home than expanding it into your school's community or even your neighborhood, for that matter. 
And then what happens is that parents are forced to round their kids out with elect- uh, extracurricular activities. So we got to get them into uh, dance classes, uh, piano lessons, gymnastics, sports of some kind. And you spend most every day after school running around. And I think that the, the overscheduling is what creates this pushback from parents saying there's too much homework and there's not enough time for family. And also for people, for all of us here in Southern California, and we're lamenting that going, oh, we can't send our kids out anymore. Not how I grew up in Garden Grove or whatever. This is not the way it is in other parts of the West Coast. You can run around your neighborhood in Portland. Yes. You know. Um, Ladera Heights. Mm. You don't even have to go that far. I yeah. just was talking to a mom and she said a friend of mine just moved to Ladera Heights and she goes, the kids play in the street here. Like they get on bikes and they just ride around and there's like a herd what? of kids. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? You could win almost 500 of my daughter's Minecraft unicorns. Or $1,000, whatever you want. Your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. Um, so anyway, back to uh, Justin Warcham, host of the Dad Podcast. Where do they get the Dad Podcast besides They can go I to uh, thedadpodcast.com is uh, the best place to go for that. Um, well, so uh, like in your son's case, uh, your, both of your sons, are they getting homework uh, as a quality issue do you have with it or quantity issue? So when they – before, when my son, who's now in third grade, started at the elementary school here at Burbank Unified School District, he was getting 20 minutes of homework at least every day. And he is a little bit more academically advanced than his little brother. His little brother entered the school where now the new shift is – I've both of the, my uh, son's teachers told me this year that said, research is showing – that school, the homework does not benefit them. And when you look at headlines, it says the exact opposite. But when you dig deeper into the research, what actually it does say is that a moderate amount of homework does not show a significant difference in academic achievement in younger kids. So once they hit about nine years old or older, that's when you start seeing those leaps and bounds. And that does seem like a quality issue. Yes, and like I said at the top of the segment, where they... It's not making a difference. It's a quality issue. That, that younger teachers, newer teachers, will uh, prescribe 20% more homework than a teacher who's been in the job for at least four to five years. And the belief is that, that, that this researcher said that, you know, there's a difference between giving 10 math problems that will give you 10 different examples of the lesson and have them doing 100 math problems, which just takes up time yeah. and isn't really supporting a lesson. Well, and here's the thing. like, back, Remember, we used to do a thing called cursive writing. <laughs> and, of course, you got an assignment. Now we have a font for that. Yeah. Uh, you, got, you had to do 10 pages of capital Bs. You know, there was a purpose for that because that is muscle memory. You yes. have to develop nice, neat cursive writing. I mean, that is literally like uh, that is useful as knowing how to make a buggy whip. You know, in this day and age. Yeah. And, and, and so my daughter was blown up. When I was telling her that I spent hours doing cursive, she just stared at me like a pig looking at a wristwatch. It's like, for what purpose? And, uh, and so, but, but for mathematics, I do understand, you know, repetition, different multiplication problems yeah. until they can do it in their head. But, but I, I haven't seen homework that I think is as good as, like, I, I used to drive a Land Rover and the, thermometer was in cell in centigrade and i taught her the formula of doubling it and adding 30 so we i would randomly point to the thermometer you just taught it to me I didn't know when that. she was three years old i'd go it's it's it was july 22 centigrade and she'd go 44 64 74 and i'd let her you know approach and that was me imitating her i actually right. do know that 44 <laughs> plus 30 but but that's what we did all the time all day long driving around and 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 I was firing the neurons in her noggin 
uh, to think mathematically because I don't want her to be the stereotypical Barbie math is hard. And she took this is her, her words to this day. She can remember that and she credits that. I, I got a question for you, and I, I hope I'm not over-stereotyping you, because I feel like a lot of your parental anecdotes, to me, my perception is Folksy that, parental yeah, anecdotes. Yeah, they seem very boot camp-ish. Is that because yeah, I would of pull your... over and make her get out until she got the answer right. <laughs> I don't care if it's 24 centigrade. <laughs> uh, yes, I know that's 88. <laughs> no, 78. Figure it out on your walk home. Yeah. <laughs> but is it is that because of your own upbringing, or is it a mixture of your own upbringing it's and the opposite. your military My background? dad assumed that I was the smartest kid in the room, and so he didn't engage me. I was oh. unengaged. Yeah, it was the opposite. He didn't, he didn't spark that. He just sort of assumed, because that's because my older brother was such a douche nozzle, <laughs> such a soup sandwich, dropped out as a sophomore, found a way to get kicked out of the Marines. Like, you, you really got to look, you know, and, and uh, so he got all my parents' permit, uh, attention, uh, and, and so I got none. So I, I was Mr. Oh, I don't need it. I don't want it. Uh, don't worry about me. I'm class valedictorian the state debate champ, you know, whatever I don't, I, for me, it was kind of like an F you to my parents. And so by the time my brother was out of the mix and they turned their attention to me, I was like, Oh, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm good. Don't do Navy ROTC at USC. You know, don't worry. about. But my mom and dad, they didn't engage me. And that created a chasm between my mom and dad and I. And, and so with, with my daughter, it, it's uh, any book she wants. She goes, when she goes, can I have the third Magnum Chase book? I'm like, oh, let's go buy it now, or do you want it tomorrow on Amazon? It's anytime she wants a book, I buy her a book, <clears throat> um, and uh, 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 you know she reads my books and stuff like that. So that's that's I like f- triggering and rewarding that because my dad didn't reward it mm. when I when he was reading an airplane uh, you know textbook, I'd come along and go, well, what about the PC2 hydraulic backup system for the F4E Phantom II, Dad? And he would just basically say, go play in the pool. <laughs> You know, we live in Hawaii. And I really wanted to know. I wanted him to read out loud. Isn't it great how that works out? The, like, about the F, the F4J and F4E Phantom II McDonnell Douglas PC2 backup hydraulic uh, power system. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't read it to me. He'd just go, ah, this is very complicated. You go over there. One of the things that I thought was interesting was that the even the people here at LEUSD preferred that you lean towards your kid's health over getting homework done. So they, that, they have a, a policy of... 20% of, uh, what did I, where did I put it here? Uh, they, they, they basically, what they, they don't want your kids staying up all night. If your kid, they, that's, oh, that's what it is. 20% of a kid's grade, no more than 20% of a kid's grade can be on homework because they want the kid to be able to sleep at night. So the reason I bring this up after that is well, that. Well, they start school at 10 a.m. Right? Well, they should. They're talking about that. Yeah. There's actually another uh, BUSD uh, board member who said that uh, high school should not be starting before 8.30 at all. In fact, if you could push it back to 10, it would be better because a teenage, like the way their uh, cycle goes uh, with the melatonin and stuff, they can't go to sleep before 11 p.m. But my point is, is that do you, Brian, in your parenting, do you favor life experiences or doing those, you know, kind of drills in your car with the Celsius versus Fahrenheit over your daughter getting her homework done? I'll give you the answer right after we give away some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. 
Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. Answer the phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. Your next chance to win is like next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, the answer is at this point, up until she's like in junior high or high school, life experience. That's that's mm. why she and I set up a Facebook page at Ray's Farm Eggs. Um, and, and I let her see how to boost it and how to target people who want organic, free-range eggs. And they can actually come and see the chickens and all that. And she learned more about something that's going to be relevant in her life 10 years from now uh, than anything she was doing in uh, in in her class today, and I like her teachers, a terrific lady. We we share the same alma mater, the Washington State University, um, and 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 all that. But I know that at this point in your life, it, it's it's more important for her to engage and succeed in something that that she wants to, that she's excited about. She you know she's excited about the chickens, and unlike twenty years ago when you put up a cardboard sign, you know eggs five dollars a dozen. Now you put it on Facebook, and yeah. I wanted to see that. I wanted to have that that savvy that I didn't have. My dad was not a businessman. He was a government employee. And, you know, I, did, I had no background in that. And, and so I want her to kind of see the world works like this. Go be a fireman. Go be a test pilot at Edwards. Go be a business person. But money, 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 or education, education. And so that, that's right now it's that practical experience. And the German model of education would support that, and so would the research. That younger yeah. kids, it is more important. And whether or not you learn to read at four or five years old, or if you learn to read at seven years old, does not actually predict your academic uh, achievement later on in life. A better predictor is social skills and self-confidence. So yeah. these things of like running your own business when you're seven, eight years old, I think are going to build a lot more opportunities for self-confidence than saying, well, I read uh, Good Night Moon when I was three. Yeah, to my parents. kill a mockingbird. Right, you know, exactly. Uh, I want to give some more information about this because I thought these were interesting statistics, is that <clears throat> LUSD also has a policy that homework should only be assigned four days a week. Uh, and then it, Monday it comes, through Thursday or Tuesday much, through Friday? Okay. Pretty much, I think, Monday through Thursday is what they're going for, but they don't obviously narrow it down to that, I guess. Uh, on average, the American student uh, from age 6 all the way up to 17 does three and a half hours of homework per week. Now, when you break that down racially, which I was shocked to find the statistic that it even existed out there, but Asian students spend three and a half hours more per week than their white peers. Only 59%. Lazy whitey. I know, right? 59% of Asian parents, though, check their uh, kids' homework. Do you check your daughter's homework? Yeah. Well, my wife does. My my wife, uh, that's, that's you know, her part of the kid raising is uh, my, my wife is a great proofwriter, Great editor, so everything she writes and her homework, she'll she'll check it. I mean, I would, but right. my wife engages her on homework uh, on a, at a different level and in a better way than I do. I thought this was interesting too. Way I could, fewer push-ups. I could not. <laughs> I could not find statistics on Caucasian parents in this area, but the, uh, what I did find was seventy-six percent of Hispanic parents check their kids' work, and eighty-three point one percent of Black parents check their kids' work. But my my daughter's best friend is one of six kids. And their parent, I have no idea how their parents do it, but they run a tight ship. The, her, the, the dad is academic. He's in an unnamed school district. And he have, he has absolutely committed that when his kids eject out of the house, they yep. go to a college campus. And oh. that they will do so uh, as a thousand percent more literate than you. Uh, and I mean, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And we're, it's tough enough for one kid. You know, we're lucky. 
But they have six very smart, engaged kids, and and they're going to crank out six great citizens. So there's that. The other thing. uh, And they're one of those groups that you mentioned. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, too, is that if that the real big kind of overall, I thought this was a better, like, umbrella research, was that once you break 90 to 100 minutes of homework per day, that test scores and performance actually start to drop. Yeah. But before that, you can actually see increases in homework, although the increases for younger kids, elementary kids, or where our kids are, is not as significant as it is when they hit junior high and high school. All right. It is uh, the Dad Podcast at 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 dadpodcast.com. The dadpodcast.com. Yes. Thank you. And also, subscribe away. Even if you don't want to listen, uh, you could just subscribe, and it helps put some ducats in my pocket. We just had Jane Wells on the show. Brian Suits going to do an episode coming soon. Push those clicks. That's, yeah. how, that's how that works. And then, as I say, when I do figure out what to do with dadsbeingrad.com. I would. I be seriously. I'm not saying this because we're on the air. I would look forward to. We do have to. If you, by the way, the the requirements. If you're out there, if you're if you are a dad and you find that you are in fact rad, oh, then you can email me Brian Suits at Dark Secret Place. I will. Uh, I'm sorry, Dark Secret Place at Proton Mail. Dark Secret at Proton Mail, and then maybe you can be rad with us, dads. Oh, so. Uh, all right, Jess Warsham, uh, quick, do the California earthquake preparedness thing real quick. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's my favorite Stop voiceover that you do. Oh, I don't know that one. I thought that was you. I don't. Well, I don't know it off the top oh. of my head. I do like fifty commercials a day That's here now. True. Say something about the Chargers. <laughs> the the oh uh, uh, we do beef better. <laughs> I just feel that's disruptive. Uh, we'll be back in uh, just a second. It's Gary and Shannon Brian suit filling in KFI AM six forty eight. More stimulating talk. <laughs> More stimulating talk. It is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. And they are going to fill in, hopefully, one last time for Bill Handel. He'll, he's supposed to be back Monday. We've penciled him in. So uh, Jane Wells from CNBC and I will be filling in for Gary and Shannon this time tomorrow. And and she she's at home busily plotting out the show. <laughs> but the news happens. For instance, as we speak in... Miami at Florida International University, there is a pedestrian walkway uh, over what looks like a regular a, a boulevard, not a highway, but it's collapsed. And it's a uh, it's a walkway plus concrete roof, and it's thoroughly collapsed. Police uh, on the scene are, are treating it as a mass, mass casualty. There's at least one or two cars crushed underneath it. According to reports, a Miami Herald reporter tweeted that cops believe that the collapse caused, quote, mass casualties. Uh, close quote, and it's about um, it is about fifty yards wide. A tip, typical uh, four lane boulevard with a really wide median across. So, so this had um, it had uh, uh, stairways going up in a, in a column. Then you would walk across the walkway to another. You know, two-story staircase going straight down. So yeah, this the, is this is part of a big fourteen million dollar project. Uh, the bridge is supposed to open next year. Yeah. So, so in other words, the pedestrian bridge wasn't yeah. open yet. Well, that section of the bridge had just been installed on Saturday, and and so the chances of pedestrians being on it, uh, probably none, but workers possibly. Right, but several people have died, according to Florida Highway Patrol. And uh, and then we can see, I mean, you can see on CNN that that one or two cars happen right. to be driving under it as it collapsed. Yeah, they're trying to get people out. Apparently a couple of people are stuck in there. 
So it looks a lot like uh, Loma Prieta, 1989 on the, uh, what was it, the 880? Uh, but anyway, there, there's luckily because it's a construction site, almost immediately a uh, heavy capacity uh, crane is, was immediately on the site. So, uh, so that's the difference between 1989 and 2018 Miami. So that's in Miami at Florida International University. We'll give you updates uh, as that uh, comes in. Well, <clears throat> what is the fastest way to get somebody deported? Well, probably put them on the state of California's payroll and then tweet about it or at least crow about it. And that, again, if you're considering voting for Kevin DeLeon to be senator, this might go a long ways towards explaining his judgment in the world. Uh, Yesterday for Gavin Newsom, it was retweeting an eight-year-old talking about guns. But today it's Kevin DeLeon. And the illegal little alien that he has appointed to a state post. Lisbeth Mateo, a 33-year-old attorney and immigrant rights activist, will serve on the California Student Opportunity and Access Program Project Grant Advisory Committee, the CSOAPPGAC, of course. The committee advises the California Student Aid Commission on efforts to increase college access for California students from low-income or underserved communities. This is what Kevin DeLeon said in a news release yesterday. Quote, while Donald Trump fixates on walls, California will continue to concentrate on opportunities. Ms. Mateo is a courageous, determined, and intelligent young woman who at great personal risk has dedicated herself to fight for those seeking the rightful place in this country. Close quote. You know what? How come we don't have a Kevin DeLeon megaphone? Because everything he says is so much better when he holds a megaphone up. Like, you know... He did two days ago and then every other time. Uh, what what great personal risk you might be axing uh, is he talking about? Oh, the fact that she's an illegal alien. So the great personal risk that this attorney, Santa Clara University Law School, 2016 alum, the great personal risk that she's undergoing is that, you know, the law gets enforced. That's 2018. <clears throat> this guy's running for Senate. And he appoints an illegal alien at a time, a week after the federal government has sued us for doing S exactly like this. There's a activist up in Bellingham, Washington, who uh, who crowed and bragged about her illegal status. Was an activist for 22 years. Guess where she is today? An immigration lawyer in Seattle. Because she wouldn't STFU. Okay, and here, here's where we are in 2018. If you make yourself ICE's problem, I mean ICE, apostrophe S, if you make yourself immigration and custom enforcement's problem, they will be your problem. They will oblige you. So, Mr. DeLeon, when this appointee, who's now drawing a state paycheck, when, when she's rolled up by ICE, who are you going to blame? Jeff Sessions? Or your own goofy ass. So, again, uh, if ICE is wondering, and this might get uh, Xavier Becerra on me for reporting this, but uh, hello, ICE. I, hello, ICE, if you're listening. Lizbeth, L-I-Z-B-E-T-H, Mateo. Uh, I spell uh, uh, I spell uh, Mike Alpha Tango Echo Oscar, Mateo. A 33-year-old attorney and immigrant rights activist will serve on the California State Opportunity and Access Program Project Grant Advisory Committee. And I will get you the address of that. She is illegal. She is a illegal alien. She graduated Santa Clara University Law School. 
Um, so the hard part might be finding her. The good news, she doesn't need a lawyer. Uh, she was born in Oaxaca, Mexico, came to the United States with her parents when she was 14, according to De Leon's office. And for all we know, he's related to her. She might be one of the relatives that he brags about who's stolen identities. So, uh, so again, because you're not cooperating with federal authorities like you used to, they have to do things like workplace raids and school raids because you're not helping the feds know when a violent felon is getting out of L.A. of the Twin Towers like you used to when you did. That's why ICE is going around doing these raids. So if if you throw them a hanging curve, they will knock it out of the park, or in this case, they will deport the the baseball right out of the park back to Oaxaca or wherever. So, again, her name is Elizabeth Mateo. Uh, I will email you the details of where she probably is during the scheduled meetings uh, of the – and I don't know if she'll have to repay the money. Um, I don't know. But anyway, the scheduled meetings of the California Student Opportunity and Access Program Project Grant Advisory Committee. I'm going to look that right up. So I stand by. I will give you the uh, all the deets on Elizabeth Mateo so you can go and do what I'm paying you to do with my – Federal taxes. Back right after this. It's Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. It is Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits in for them tomorrow. Jane Wells will join me and uh, we will talk about prominent business stories, really, really prominent ones that, uh, you know, would be relevant if we can find any. I just, it's kind of a slow news day business-wise. But uh, I will, again, for ICE, I will tweet out the address of where the illegal alien that Kevin DeLeon has hired to get a state paycheck uh, there in Sacramento. So if he wants to make it that easy, you know, um, and and uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm violating Senate Bill 54 because... That's the one where Javier Becerra says he'll prosecute you and your business if you cooperate with ICE and do not warn your employees that there might be a raid tomorrow or whatever. So she's not my employee. She's a state employee like Chip Kelly. So though Chip Kelly, I'm pretty sure, had to provide proof of legal residence in the United States to become a uh, the uh, Bruin head coach. Don't know, but uh, we'll work on that. <clears throat> uh, so the the latest out of the bridge collapse at uh, Florida International University uh, there in Miami, as we're watching CNN, is that uh, fire rescue are on scene, and we, we've seen a couple people that have been pulled out of cars on backboards. They're, they, they're being stabilized both uh, with, with the cervi- cervical uh, you know, neck stabilization and head stabilization as well as strapped on backboards. So they're all being treated like there is severe orthopedic trauma. And uh, and so far, just in what I was watching across uh, CNN and Fox, uh, I haven't seen anyone pulled out um, and uh, undergoing heroic measures, meaning CPR and uh, et cetera. So the police are saying that, that uh, several dead uh, is is the current report, but they're calling it mass casualty. But again, this is this is a, a pedestrian bridge that hadn't been open as a bridge yet, but it fell onto some cars uh, underneath it. So this is what they're mainly doing is extracting people 
from uh, cars. <clears throat> so here's kind of a weird thing happening here in Los Angeles. So you, you've heard of this chap, Elon Musk, um, our, our, our favorite legal immigrant, South African, um, now an American citizen. And he's, um, he's uh, repaid our investment in him quite a bit, handsomely, I, sh- I should say. But the deal is, evidently, he, he's a guy who is fairly active on Twitter, and he will retweet The Onion, which is the, the premier satirical news website, um, you know, on the Internet period or on Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever. If you're not following The Onion on Twitter, then you're, you're you know what, you're missing out on laughs. Uh, also, Facebook, uh, the whole thing. So the deal is Elon Musk is a fan of The Onion, and he's been robbing The Onion of their talent. He's been raiding The Onion of s- some of their head writers and editors and things like that. He's throwing money at them because the word is he has here in L.A. Okay, he, so he's got let's, – let's, let's count the projects. Tesla up in Hayward, SpaceX in Hawthorne. Hyperloop, uh, I guess theoretically from Culver City to Santa Monica or whatever. Um, he spends most of his time here in L.A., not not the Bay Area, but down here in L.A. Doesn't seem like an L.A. guy, but he, he does spend his time down here because he it, it's a pretty well-kept secret. But he does bounce around clubs and stuff, and he likes to rub elbows with celebrities. <clears throat> also fairly well-kept secret, he's kind of conservative. However... He likes a good satirical website, and The Onion, which is pretty liberal, but it's it's also uh, oftentimes equal opportunity. He's been robbing The Onion of some of their writing talent because he has a project. there, And this is just as secret as Hyperloop was before he revealed what it was. But he has a satire project that they're working on. And so The Onion just uh, half an hour ago put up their latest satirical story. Because this got out recently that he was he was hijacking and shanghaiing uh, a lot of onion talent. So the onions headline is Elon Musk embarrassed after realizing he's proposing an idea for thing that already exists. Hawthorne, California, kicking himself as the full scope of his ignorance dawned on him. Elon Musk reportedly admitted his embarrassment Thursday after realizing he was proposing an idea for a thing that already exists. He says, quote, you've got to be kidding me. I've been pouring all this money and energy into developing a concept that's already around, said a shame-faced Musk, adding that the gaffe was extra humiliating because he'd actually been telling people about his great new idea before noticing that he was just describing a slight variation on an already successful thing. So you get what they're doing. They're talking about The Onion, and they're mocking him, knowing he reads The Onion, because he's been robbing them of their talent because he wants to do a satirical website. But also, I guess the deal is he tried to buy The Onion and uh, from uh, from its owner. And for people who don't know this, you know who owns The Onion? Univision. I almost said Univision. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be that cult- would be correct. Well, that'd be cultural appropriation. Why? Because I'm not Hispanic. Univision. I can say it. Univision. Yeah, there no, you go. No, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you under cultural appropriation, white man, citizen's arrest. You don't, you Why? don't say Univision. Why? I'm Cuban. Yes, I Oh, are you? I yes. apologize. I thought Rick's... I thought... I thought Rick, Rick's is a German name. Um, well, Rick's is also um, my superhero name. So... My radio name. Oh. I have a stage name. Okay. Oh, I was thinking, like, did, <laughs> oh, I, did I miss an entire generation no. of accidents? Was it Rick's? No. 
Um, no, but uh, all right. If if you if you're gonna wave that Cuban card, then you're you're allowed. That's like kryptonite. It's not a Cuban card. He said you're Cuban. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you can you can yeah. say how you said it. I can't. I have to say Univision. But I didn't okay. know that. They own the onion. I didn't know that either. Musk tried to buy it from them uh, for money or dinero. Um, and they, I guess they said no. So his backup plan is, oh, well, I will just take all your talent. And so this is something that's happening here in, in L.A. And uh, the onion's not too happy about it, evidently. And so they're... They think that by mocking Elon Musk, he'll suddenly drop an idea. But I think we found, whether it's through uh, generous federal subsidies for uh, a, a hybrid electric car uh, or shooting a Tesla at Mars, I think pretty much here's a guy that when he puts a, his mind to something, it gets done. And he's, he ain't NASA. He can walk into a room and say, you over there, what do you do? I'm your chief designer. All right, well, mount my Tesla on a rocket and shoot it to Mars. Oh, by the way, play Bowie. I'll be over there on my Peloton uh, uh, spin cycle. We'll uh, be back next hour. We'll uh, run down what's trending. We'll give you the latest on the bridge collapse in Miami as we start to get uh, casualty numbers, uh, etc. It is Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon on the Gary and Shannon Show, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon doing my civic duty. I'm sorry, Attorney General Becerra. But if, if you're going to stand by and let hundreds of uh, young women continue in sexual slavery in California because you don't want to assist federal authorities, then uh, you, you do you and I'll, I'll do me. The Senate Rules Committee on Wednesday appointed the first undocumented resident to a statewide post, according to them, illegal alien. And now they're absolutely, now they're just pissing us off and they're making up something like undocumented resident to a statewide post, according to the Senate President Pro Tem, Kevin DeLeon. So in a statement, Elizabeth Mateo said she welcomed the opportunity to be on the Student Opportunity Access Program Grant Advisory Committee. <clears throat> she said, while undocumented students have become more visible in our state, they remain underrepresented in places where decisions that affect them are being made. Uh, so it's just, and here's the thing. You you wave a, a, a red flag in ISIS and in, in, in Immigration Custom Enforcement's face, and they will charge you. But you wave a flag like that in a taxpayer's face, and I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my civic duty and maybe drop a dime with ice. Oh, how convenient. She lives in L.A. Hmm. I wonder what's trending. Time for What's Happening. Well, uh, wait, where's the stack? You just, oh, you just uh, handed me that. I'm sorry. Producer Nick actually doing a good job. Me looking around, not finding it, doing a bad job. A uh, newly installed pedestrian bridge that connects Florida International University with the city of Sweetwater has collapsed. This is from uh, CBS Miami. Uh, also, the Florida Highway Patrol confirmed several people are dead. At least one one person was taken as a trauma alert to the hospital. Aerial footage shows vehicles stuck underneath the 950-ton bridge. First responders were seen placing one victim in an ambulance. Uh, witnesses said that in one case they had just driven under the bridge. 
Quote, we actually commented on how new it was. We had heard a loud bang. At first, we thought we had hit something. When we looked around, we realized the bridge had collapsed behind us on multiple cars. I didn't see any pedestrians walking on the bridge. When we looked around, we saw that it was much, much worse. And so, close quote. And so, uh, so the word is it was just constructed, but it had not been dedicated and hadn't been open for pedestrians yet. No, it won't be open until 2019. That was just one section of the bridge yeah. that was just installed oh, it's on supposed Saturday. to go over multiple um, links like that or something? Well, yeah, to link to the university. So well, I got news on that opening date. I'm going to want to push that back a bit. The uh, the looks like the the main damage is on the cars it collapsed on, and we were looking. We could only see one clearly, but uh, it looks like it there's actually, at least five under there. Yeah, and so uh, fire rescue are there, and and the again the, the if there's a fortunate part of this is that uh, heavy capacity cranes, construction cranes are actually on the scene and uh, are, are going to uh, apparently be employed here. Uh, uh, really soon, but 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 like I say, they're only confirming several dead, and I don't know what's the news equivalent. Do we have a, a laminate that tells us what several means? Oh more, my god, no, more than, no, because there's more no, than two. Well, there's no telling. You know the condition of the people trapped underneath. There's one. There's one car that it looks like half the concrete yeah. is on half the car. So there could, I mean, there could be injured people in there. We don't know exactly yeah. how many. And I'm not giving us a number, but I know that several is more than one. Right. Uh, so uh, so there, there's that. Uh, also, earlier today, the Miami Herald's lawsuit, which was found in their favor, they wanted the, the video released specifically of the the deputy who we now know as former former deputy Scott Peterson of the Broward County Sheriff's Department. The judge ruled in favor of Miami Herald on Monday that the video should be released. Broward County uh, took a run at it for the past three days and. They pixelated out. At the beginning of the video, there's some students visible walking around, and they pixelated out those students' faces. So they did all of about uh, 10 minutes' work uh, over a period of three days, and they released it this morning at 9 a.m. And we spoke with a former Delta Force operator earlier today about uh, – had him watch the video because the accusation is that Deputy Peterson, that his inaction uh, in staying outside the building – and in fact, warning others, advising others to not enter the building may be uh, a contributing factor to the 17 dead. That that had he gone in and engaged Nicholas Cruz, that Cruz would not have been able to kill 17, that he may have become distracted or, or even dead, and that would have ended it. So and maybe after he killed five or six, but what he did was, was fairly quick, but regardless the officer did not engage, did not did not go in. The video has been released, and I can save you. What did we say, Nick? Did you post that it's twenty? I can save you. I can save you twenty five minutes. You were having trouble, but yeah, it it. There's not much to see. Yeah, from what we saw about two minutes in, you are fixed on a single camera shot from one building to building twelve, where yes, you can see the deputy dark pants, uh, dark shirt, and he stays in place for about six minutes. And then 10 minutes into it or eight minutes into it, you see blue and red lights arrive uh, and all that. So the case that Sheriff Israel made, that the guy was going to be suspended and then he resigned on his own power, um, looks reinforced by this video, that that there was a deputy on site. uh, He did not engage, and he did, in fact, just sit there. So it's um, in in the words of the former Delta Force operator we were talking to at 1030, it was shameful and he looked cowardly.
So uh, that again, that's a personal opinion of someone who has been in the positions like this officer was uh, a few weeks ago. All right, uh, we'll continue what's trending uh, when we come back. Uh, it is the Gary and Shannon show, but you know what? We're not going to do anything till we give you some money. Your chance to win a thousand dollars is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six four zero Smile. Keep listening. Brian Suit filling in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. It is a Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suit filling in. Uh, they're going to be in for Bill Handel one more time. And if you're looking to win some money, though, you come to the right place. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. WIN, W-I-N, WIN. Answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. Your next chance to WIN is next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. So there's that. Yeah, you you heard this story right from Monica Ricks. A 23-year-old man was killed when a boulder crashed through the windshield of the car he was riding in with his wife in Pasadena on Tuesday. Authorities are seeking a suspect who may have intentionally dropped it. According to the CHP, the 21-year-old woman and her husband were driving in their Toyota Corolla on the 134, passing under the Orange Grove Boulevard overpass when a 30 to 35 pound boulder hurtled through the car's front windshield but that's relative it was dropped so they drove uh, into it on the 134 and i think it was at nighttime so no one's doing we're not talking about 4 p.m on the 134 when it would dent your hood yeah Uh, we're talking about isn't that scary oh that it scares the ass out of me the guy was in the passenger seat struck by the large rock the woman immediately drove her injured husband to a local hospital. He was pronounced dead after their arrival. Uh, he was identified as Christopher Lopez. CHP believed the boulder was intentionally thrown from the overpass and are urging anyone who may have seen suspicious activity on the area to contact authorities. Well, but, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell this particular news outlet how to do their job, but what time of day was this? They're not, I mean, you know, guess what? There's just probably a bunch of suspicious things that happen all day long on the archgrass. Orange Grove overpass, but what was it night, day? Well, KTLA is reporting that it happened shortly before 9 p.m., hey. so it would have been dark. So Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, that was a really, 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 really ugly incident in Germany when a couple of American dependent kids, you know, family members of a soldier deployed in Germany, thought it would be a totes awesome idea to drop a rock from an overpass over an autobahn. Right. So this Mercedes, like a Princess Die Mercedes 500, is in the far left lane doing 120 miles per hour, you know, 160 kilometer. They drop a boulder onto this Mercedes and kill both people inside. And it, the car went two miles f- falling apart. And I, I otherwise, let's see. I'm trying to think of all the times in California I've ever heard of this. It's it it's. It doesn't happen a lot, and, it, and and you know it's such a random bit of mayhem for somebody to do, and it's just one. I don't know. I mean, that's part of the reason that the, all the overpasses have chain link on them, 
So I don't, I'm not familiar with the, I'm going to look on Google Earth. I'm not familiar enough with the Orange Grove overpass, but I'm trying to think, is there a overpass that doesn't have a barrier? I mean, this is the reason we have barriers in California. So did someone lob it over the, the 10-foot barrier? I don't know. No clue, but that is that is nightmarish. Uh, then here's your other nightmare. This one, also you just heard uh, Monica Ricks talk about this. A man from Eastvale, 24-year-old man, was killed yesterday on the 210. Metal debris went through the windshield of his car. He he was driving. He was identified by the L.A. County uh, Department of Coroner Department as Stace Woodward, 12.42 p.m., so, you know, lunchtime on the uh, westbound 210 near Buena Vista, that exit. The man's driving a Volkswagen Jetta, 60 miles an hour, number four lane. And a pickup or SUV that was ahead of uh, this person in the number three lane drove over metal debris that was in the road. The debris was lofted up, and it went through the windshield of the Jetta and struck the man. And here's the thing. The debris may have only gone up and maybe backwards five miles an hour, but you hit it at 60 miles an hour. Any, whatever your velocity is, that's the velocity of the item that's about to hit you plus whatever velocity it has. Uh, a 25-year-old passenger took control of the Volkswagen, stopped the vehicle at the Buena Vista Street off-ramp. He attempted first aid. L.A. County Fire Department crews arrived. The driver was pronounced dead by L.A. County Fire Department personnel at the scene. So th- those are two nightmares that, that I have. I, you know, some rando up on an overpass. But, I mean, luckily in California, I think they're all – I think we've been through this 30 years ago or 40 years ago. They're all – there's all barriers – um, and then the other the other thing is uh, something falling out of somebody's pickup. But luckily here in California, there are substantial penalties for you driving around without a uh, with a load improperly tied down. So that's really rare. Though if someone can explain to me why all the house furnishings house furnishings are sitting on the side of our roadways, I would be curious to hear. But uh, regardless, two two uh, nightmare scenarios here. We're actually close to each other. The two ten, um, that's that's close to where it starts bending down to the one thirty four. So um, bad scene, uh, right there. Um, when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Lana Zach from ABC News. Here's what's going on in Britain today. The U.S., France, and Germany have now full throated gotten behind Great Britain. Uh, no more of the White House's gray area on whether we blame Russia. We blame Russia for deploying chemical warfare, a nerve agent in Britain for the purpose of assassinating a former Russian secret agent and his daughter. Uh, The British are absolutely positive that it was not an accident. It wasn't a rogue agent. Nobody else has this stuff. Uh, the, The Russians specifically made it for their own uses towards the end of the Cold War. No one else has a reason to have it. They didn't sell it to anybody, and that's what was used, almost like a calling card. And so the uh, the British are, have been pretty mamby-pamby about this stuff happening for the last couple of years, but they have a ace up their sleeve that Putin probably never thought they would pull, and the British are about to pull it because they're calling this the first offensive use of a nerve gas in Europe since World War II. So they're taking it extremely seriously. And uh, what's happening in Moscow is that a lot of very wealthy people are starting to panic 
And I'll tell you why. And ABC's Lana Zach will join us right after this. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is a Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in. They'll be back in tomorrow for Bill Handel. And then if uh, our evil plan works out, Bill Handel will be back here on Monday doing the Bill Handel show. Gary and Shannon will be in this very room doing the Gary and Shannon show. Uh, well, it's time for Swamp Watch, which is just putting off this story about six inches of cat feces covering the floor of an Iowa home. So that'll go there. For now, we're standing by for Lana Zach from ABC News uh, to call in. The Trump administration is hitting five Russian entities and 19 citizens with sanctions for cyber activity. This is uh, We're adding on to what the British are doing. The British are finally sitting up. There's absolutely no way to avoid it at this point. Uh, a- after uh, Andrei Litvinenko... Or pardon me, Alexander Litvinenko drank his polonium tea uh, a couple of years ago in a very high-profile assassination from a very obscure, specific sort of toxic source. And effectively nothing was done. Then uh, coming up on a week and a half ago in Salisbury, England, a former Russian intelligence agent who turned out to be a double agent for MI6, an attempt on his life and his daughter's life was made, and the British have identified the agent conclusively, the toxic agent, as a nerve gas made exclusively uh, by, designed and made in the former Soviet Union. Lana Zach from ABC News joins us, uh, and after almost two days of not jumping in with both feet, the Trump administration today with France and Germany jumped in with both feet. Uh, they have uh, have now said that they believe, just like uh, their British counterpart, um, that this was in fact the work of of uh, the Russians, and that it looks like there is no plausible alternative to it. I actually just returned uh, from England, where this was big news. Of course, um, Prime Minister Theresa May called this an assault on UK sovereignty. So uh, it's interesting that the timing of the sanctions that uh, that we're now seeing from the Trump administration come in light of this attack and um, and President Trump agreeing with uh, France, Germany, and um, and Britain in condemning Russia for this. But remember, Congress passed this sanction bill last year. And they're calling it the first offensive use of a nerve agent in Europe since World War II. And so uh, has the administration, are they indicating that they're, we're going to do whatever Britain does? Uh, we're waiting for the British to take the lead on this? Uh, not necessarily. Um, for President Trump, um, this has been as far as we have seen him go, really, when it comes to condemning Russia. Uh, but we're still hearing from um, from members of Congress here at the Capitol that feel like th- that this minor sanction action on sanctions is still not enough. In fact, um, uh, Senate Mi- uh, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer today was talking about Vladimir Putin, calling him a bully, saying the only way that you can, uh, hearkening back to his, his New York roots, which we know appeals to President Trump as well, the only way to deal with a bully, he said, um, growing up in Brooklyn, was to stand up to him. Uh, and so it may be the case that President Trump now is, uh, is getting a little bit harsher, and we do understand that more sanctions may be coming. Uh, and I'll talk about 
about a little more about that here coming up. But um, now, ABC News, you guys have uh, you are confirming that the special the counsel, the, yeah. the, the the Mueller counsel or Mueller committee or Mueller team have issued a they've subpoenaed the the Trump election organization for all documents related Actually, to Russia. Uh, you mean the, the private that, organization? The business, the business organization, yeah. the Trump organization, which is the umbrella organization for the Trump family business, which includes all of their financial dealings, their real estate holdings, all of that, uh, that, that they have now been subpoenaed by special counsel Robert Mueller's office to provide any documents related to Russia. Um, this really brings the Robert Mueller's investigation closer to the the Trump family financial dealings than ever before. It's it, it's, it's very big news, um, though President Trump has previously denied any financial ties to Russia, apart from some business proposals that were never fulfilled and the 2013 Miss Universe competition. Clearly, Robert Mueller and his team want to see if uh, if that's in fact true or if there is anything else there. And, and I mean, this is anything related to Russia. This right. is Alpha Bank. This is all the banking, all the loans, real estate, personal travel. I mean, it's absolutely everything, right? Right. Uh, it, it's intended to be comprehensive, and um, and we do know that there are, that um, while the president hasn't had uh, has has said he doesn't have any financial dealings, any loans or uh, or other financial dealings with Russia, we do know that there are lots of Russians that have um, that have purchased property from the Trump organization, and that might be something else that, that the Mueller team investigates. And the question now becomes how deep down. This rabbit hole? Do they go, and and does it come up with anything that demonstrates Russian collusion in in, in the election? Uh, all right, people are wondering. A lot of people like want results immediately. The FBI doesn't work like that. Mueller doesn't work like that. What they just subpoenaed is, I mean, I don't know if there's a term besides terabyte. I mean, this, this is a, this is going to be a lot of printed there's paper. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, certainly, there's going to be a lot in it, um, and it's possible. Uh, what we've seen previously from these subpoenas, the they have received some of this documentation from other sources already. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of work that they are doing. They're certainly digging in, and uh, and contrary to what we had been he- we had been hearing at one point from the White House that this investigation was largely wrapping up. This looks like uh, the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Considering that he hasn't had a loan from an American bank since 2000, uh, there's going to be, I guess, 17 years of foreign banking records that somebody better get some translators. So, uh, all right, Lana Zach, thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much, Brian. There you go. Um, so, meanwhile, back in Britain, the card that I was talking about, what Theresa May, Prime Minister of, of, uh, of UK, UK knows, uh, it's something that they've been afraid of doing for the last couple of years, because now that there is a pattern of um, untimely suicides uh, on the part of some uh, British citizens working with wealthy Russians, oligarchs uh, in, in Britain, including a guy uh, who who managed to jump, uh, uh, jump out of his fourth story townhouse and land on a spiked wrought iron gate. When he committed suicide a couple of years ago, and Scotland Yard ruled it a suicide, and so I, I, I would just ask the average person: if you're going to jump out your own window, you know it's high enough to die. Would you aim for the spiked wrought iron gate so no one missed that you committed suicide, or would you? I, I don't know. So, so anyway, London is the landing zone for a whole bunch of Putin friends and Putin enemies. Boris Berezovsky uh, is one prominent guy. 
Uh, oh, yeah, dead. Um, they come there with their billions uh, or for a lot of Russian oligarchs who've chosen to allow Putin to wet his beak in their money. They at least get to vacation in London. They buy property in London. They they bring their money to to Britain where it's safer than in Russia. And Theresa May is talking about ending that. And and I'll I'll repeat this before we go to break. I'll just repeat this for people who don't know. If you really if you want to hurt people who are close to Putin, if you really want Putin to feel the pain, you would immediately put ICE agents at every flight at LAX that originated in Russia. Also JFK and hell throw in Dallas and Chicago. And every woman who comes off those airline, uh, those flights who is past eight months pregnant, you turn them around and fly them right back. Because this is one of the number one things that wealthy Russians do. They fly their daughters or their wives to LAX when they're eight months pregnant. You can't get on Southwest. In America, you can't get on the plane past seven months pregnant. But hell yeah, you can get on Aeroflot in labor. And you fly that woman to Los Angeles. She holds up in Thousand Oaks or Glendale or Beverly Hills until she shoots that little American out. And then they go and they get the birth certificate at Van Nuys. They stay a couple more weeks with prepaid visas, prepaid uh, credit cards. They stiff the hospital. Even though they come here with cash, they stiff the hospital and they fly back to Moscow with a little American. So stop that. You want to hurt someone with Putin's ear? Stop that from happening. We'll be back right after this. The Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. For Gary and Shannon and for Strange Science, a billionaire. Some people just have made too much money. A 32-year-old billionaire. Wait till you hear this. He he wants to be laboratory killed so his brain can be uploaded into a computer or some deal uh, like that. Well, so the the story that we're tracking, uh, that we are uh, covering very closely just to make sure that ICE does not in any way, shape, or form interfere with uh, one of our newest state employees just uh, just to make sure that she doesn't get deported by the evil federal government. Uh, Senate President Kevin DeLeon has released, has, has announced that the first illegal alien to a, to a statewide post has been appointed. 33-year-old attorney Elizabeth Mateo a Santa Clara University Law School student who has a practice here in Los Angeles, California, and a Facebook page uh, here in Los Angeles, California. A 33-year-old attorney and immigrant rights activist and an illegal alien will serve on the California Student Opportunity and Access Program Project Grant Advisory Committee. The committee advises the California Student Aid Commission on efforts to increase college access Kevin DeLeon said in a news release, again, if you have received this news release from uh, a state uh, Senate President Pro Tem, Kevin DeLeon's office, his official state office, if you have rele- uh, re- received this news release, and let's say you printed it in the Sacramento Bee, 
whatever you do, don't hand it to any ICE agents because they might act on it because it almost feels like this is being waved in their face. So don't do that because he's totally on the down low on this. He's um, he's trying to keep this quiet. He says, quote, while Donald, while Donald Trump fixates on walls, California will continue to concentrate on opportunities. Ms. Mateo is courageous, determined, and an intelligent young woman who at great personal risk has dedicated herself to fight for those seeking their rightful place in this country, close quote. Again, she's an Ill- illegal alien. So, that, I mean, this is akin to saying that you drink and drive at great personal risk because you're risking what's going on. You're a burglar, <clears throat> a great personal risk. And there's a great personal risk that you will uh, go to jail, not in California anymore. But So anyway, he felt that this was so important that it had to be in a news release. And then I don't know if De Leon staff is aware of this, but there are news outlets at the other end of those news releases. And Sacramento Bee was one of many that picked it up and actually did a story on it. So, yes, state of California has appointed a legal alien to a statewide post. And Kevin De Leon wants everybody to know it. And probably expects her to not be deported, at least not be grabbed for uh, for an immigration hold. Also, according to his office, Mateo graduated from Santa Clara University Law School in 2016 and passed the California bar last year. So at, at the very least, she's she's a lot more of a lawyer than Tony Villar is. She was born in Oaxaca, Mexico, came to the United States with her parents when she was 14, illegally, according to De Leon's office. And then I know if you're saying... You know, slow down. What do you mean she passed the bar in California? Get up to speed, folks. I want to say it's been like 10 years since California has allowed illegal aliens to take the California and be recognized and enter the California bar. So uh, so there's that. So, again, I just want all KFI listeners to cooperate with uh, with Senate President Pro Tem Kevin DeLeon on this. And don't spread the word about this. And so... Just to make sure, I tweeted out all this information. So if you're on my Twitter feed at Dark Secret Place, don't retweet that because I tagged ICE on that. And I We can't have them see this because if ICE sees that their nose is being rubbed in the fact that an illegal alien located physically here in Los Angeles at the Mateo Law Firm uh, is now a statewide appointee, then ICE just might drive up there and, you know, lawfully detain her because she's illegal. But what I mean, what, is, what does this idiot think is going to happen? Well, we'll see. Uh, we're going to be joined by Alex Stone. Uh, Alex Stone has a couple things for us, but also he'll have the latest uh, out of Miami where this pedestrian uh, bridge has collapsed and uh, there are dead. We don't know exactly. They're, they're saying Miami Herald's saying several, which is uh, more than one, so we'll find out. But uh, Miami police called it a mass casualty uh, p- uh, pedestrian uh, Bridge collapse. So we'll check in with Alex Stone when we come back. It is Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Why can't I not say that word today? The Gary and Shannon Show, Brian Suits, filling in. We do have a, a lottery winner bank robber update with Alex Stone. But first, a Miami Bridge update. Alex Stone from ABC News joins us. And I guess there's a press conference coming up, but uh, about an hour ago, Alex Stone uh, joined us. We saw uh, that this pedestrian bridge collapse resulted in, in, quote, several dead. 
Close quote. So what, what is the latest? Yeah, you know, the mayor right now, Brian, is saying that it's confirmed that one person is dead. Uh, others have been taken to the hospital, but they think that there are more bodies in the cars underneath that concrete. And uh, that's what firefighters have been uh, trying to get into is those cars. You know, it looks like an earthquake scene, like what we would see in Southern California of crawling into every little hole that they can find uh, to get to the vehicles that are underneath to try to, to see if they can find any victims who might be uh, able to survive underneath all that concrete. But right now it's confirmed one uh, who has been killed, the others who have been injured. They think about eight cars or eight vehicles underneath the, the collapsed bridge, but they, they do fear the number is actually going to go higher. Uh, it is a $14.2 million bridge funded by the U.S. Department of Transportation, and it was literally, I mean, just put up uh, a few days ago. Yeah, uh, on Saturday, last weekend, 950 tons, uh, 174 feet long, and they, it was touted as a, a safe way of putting it in, that they use what they call accelerated bridge construction. They installed it in a couple of hours last weekend. That they What they did is they built it, took some time to, to build it along the side of the road. Then they brought in cranes and hoisted it as one big piece uh, up onto to concrete columns that they had built then laid it down on those columns and then put it down and thought they had it secured in place. Now, if that played a role in, in what happened, they don't know. The NTSB is going to investigate. They're in charge of bridge collapses. That, uh, that they are, They're heading to the scene right now. Maybe it was something else, but that's uh, something they're definitely going to look at is how quickly they put this thing in. Uh, and producer Nick found a story from just a few days ago, I guess right before it was, it was put up on Saturday, uh, the headline is, Instant Bridge aims to make a dangerous crossing safer for thousands of students, close quote, from the Miami Herald. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not filled with confidence in something called an instant bridge. No, and they, you know, they had talked about how quickly they were able to put it up. Now, luckily, the, the bridge wasn't supposed to be fully completed until January of 2019, so it wasn't fully operational yet, but uh, the, the, the victims were underneath. But what they were trying to do was the, the students who live in Sweetwater across the, the highway, the, the roadway, about six-lane roadway, uh, and then every day they would have to cross, and they would be darting in and out of traffic. They'd be waiting at, at uh, crosswalks that this was supposed to be the way for them to do a, a flyover, essentially, and just walk across from Sweetwater over to the university and not have to deal with traffic. But we see that, uh, that, that maybe that installation method may have been too quick. Uh, all right. Well, transitioning to something a little more local, for all the Santa Clarita Valley residents and listeners or anyone who's listening to the news, a couple of years ago, do you remember the PT Cruiser Bandit, sometimes called the Seasoned Bandit because he had gray-white hair? He turns out to be James Allen Hayes, a 55-year-old lottery winner from 1998. He had $19 million, a $19 million jackpot in 1998. So I, there's no hope for any of us. No, $19 million bucks. He ended up having to give uh, most of it to his ex-wife. Now, this goes back to 98. He was working in Ventura. He was a security guard supervisor on a uh, graveyard shift, January of 98. He won the Super Lotto jackpot, uh, $19 million bucks, a 1 in 18 million chance. But then uh, his ex-wife got uh, half the money. He ended up with $6 million bucks in a lump sum. Then he had a $1,000 a week heroin habit. And now look, a few minutes ago, uh, James Hayes, he, uh, he pleaded guilty in uh, downtown L.A., four counts of bank robbery. This was a guy who would roll up in his PT cruiser, rob banks in uh, Valencia, in Stevenson Ranch, in Newhall, in Pacific Palisades, in Santa Barbara County, around Santa Barbara County. He was finally caught. Now he, uh, he's looking at potentially 80 years in prison. He had uh, 
$19 million, lost all of it, started uh, robbing banks, now heading to prison. You know, as I do the math here, um, a thousand, what is it, thousand a week heroin habit, that's 4,000 yep. a month, that's 48,000 a year, um, six million lump sum, that would fund 125 months or, or 10, 10 years and half a month of, uh, of SCAG. Yeah, you know, take out taxes from the $6 million and uh, and then other living expenses, no telling what he was doing as he was hanging out uh, in Southern California after winning the money. But he uh, he had a lot of expenses. So he actually did pretty well. Up the nose or in the arm to, to heroin. He went past 10 years. I, I project that that would be at that at that rate, of, at that burn rate for a lottery win, he would have been out of money within a decade. He went past a decade. He would, didn't resort to bank robbery. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, and, by the way, uh, he, somewhere, he's, somewhere he's between been to, he's been connected to ten of the the bank robberies, uh, and really most of them up in in the northern part of the county. But for so long, the FBI, the LA Sheriff's Department, everybody was looking for this guy. The FBI was the one who called him the seasoned bandit. Others called him the PT Cruiser bandit, and he was this uh, elusive bank robber. But nobody thought that it was going to turn out to be a, a super lotto jackpot winner. Yeah, because I'm I'm theorizing here somewhere between multi-million lottery winner and bank robber, aren't there some other stops like like um, a restaurateur or so. failed bartender? So. Uh, sure. You know, uh, own a couple of homes, uh, make some money on, on real estate. But, no, he, uh, he decided uh, walking into that bank, uh, pushing over a note saying he had a gun and that he was going to shoot them if they didn't give him the money, that that was the way to go. It's, it's believed he got away with about $40,000, which – Compared to 19 mil, nothing for uh, for everything he's going through. Yeah, but heroin's way cheaper. Yeah, that's in, in all fairness. So he faces up to 20 years behind bars. <laughs> but we're talking federal bars, so this is yeah, not no, stable. 80 years. Yeah, he's looking at 80. Uh, sentencing set for June 7th now. Yeah, because this is this is actual prison in Lompoc, not these uh, California ones where there's a rotating door. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is the real deal. This is a federal case. This is going to be federal prison and. Uh, Look, he's 55 years old, 80 years behind bars. I would say that's pretty much a life sentence. And to add insult to injury, this would be a phenomenal 12-part Netflix cable series, but he can't profit off his crime. No, uh, they are taking his uh, PT Cruiser. He had to forfeit that. You know, nobody wants to forfeit their uh, light-colored Chrysler PT Cruiser. Uh, He's got to give that up. He's got to uh, pay anything he's got left, and, and then he'll be heading to prison. Well, as he walks into Lompoc, on the bus, they need to play this. <laughs> so there you go. That's at sadtrombone.com. Uh, all right, Alex Stone, thanks for joining us. You got it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much. And we uh, are standing by for a press conference from Miami about the collapsed prison. Uh, we will uh, take that uh, when that occurs. But hey, everybody, you want to listen for a chance to win 1000 bucks? Oh, it's backwards. I can't read it backwards. I'm not French. Yeah, your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. Back in just a second, a little bit more about the uh, the, the lottery winner bank robber dude and then a press conference out of Miami. Uh, that and more coming up. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. KFI AM 640. Foolin'. It's a super segment. <laughs> oh, I, I got you going. Sorry, it's... <laughs> it's actually, you didn't, you didn't earn that. Um, yes, yeah, so going back to that story, listen to this. This is, um, this is awkwardly worded now in light of what just happened in Miami a, a couple hours ago. 
From the MiamiHerald.com quote, instant bridge? Not quite, but in a single morning, Florida International University dropped a new elevated pedestrian span into place Mm. over the, how do you say this, Tamiami? Tamiami. Tamiami Trail to provide students a safe route over the perilous roadway for the first time. Once it's finished in early 2019, the new pedestrian bridge will link FIU's Modesto Marique campus, that's what I'm going for, directly to the small suburban city of Sweetwater, where the university estimates 4,000 of its students live. So let's say it's 8 a.m., there could have been a couple hundred students on that walkway uh, because this replaces a uh, dangerous sidewalk, I mean, a dangerous crosswalk. Well, the bridge wasn't expected to open until next year. And the reason why, even though they installed the last part of the bridge on Saturday, is because there was still a lot of construction slated to go on in the area. There's apartment buildings that are going to go up, a couple uh, residential businesses as well. Um, So they may have finished the bridge, uh, but there was still a lot of construction that was going to go on. So they expected a lot of pedestrians to be walking in the area. That's why the bridge was built in the first place. And this... stretch of southwest 8th street which is where the bridge was located it's about a half mile away from the turnpike which is a huge interchange a huge freeway in miami um it's very populated because it's near the university so there was still traffic flowing and they're still trying to figure out like why the bridge collapsed but i just saw a report that said witnesses witnesses saw uh, about four people standing on the bridge right before it collapsed oh before because here's mm-hmm. the deal they pre-made the actual span so the right. actual span 174 feet was precast and assembled and they did this to minimize you know the impact to motorists so they pre-made the span and then rolled it into place and then fixed it to the two uh, the two ends the two uh, uh, staircases mm-hmm. um and i'm not a structural engineer but it looks to me like the thing dropped simultaneously or one side then the other and it, and it came down and collapsed uh, but it was 950 tons it was picked up moved and lowered into places on saturday and so obviously like we were saying like monica was saying it's not cleared for pedestrians yet it wasn't going to be open until 2019 uh, so there, there are still construction workers on it, but but they reopened traffic. That was the entire point of doing this at 2 a.m. on Saturday mm-hmm. to reopen the road. So there there were multiple cars that happened to be under it at the absolute worst time. Yeah, there's at least at least five. Uh, we heard Alex Stone saying there there could be about eight under there. Um, one confirmed fatality, but they believe several people have died. And Senator Bill Nelson, who's a senator there in Florida, he's actually on his way to the scene. He's uh, he's someone that released a lot of pertinent information before uh, law enforcement in, in relation to that, that school shooting uh, last month. And he said that there could be at least six people that died, that law enforcement told him there was at least six people that died. He's going down there to talk to them and, and as you know, that press conference is starting any minute now, so sh- we should get more information. And then uh, something I just read is that because it was still under construction, it hadn't been inspected. There's not a requirement that you put this thing in and it's not done yet. Yeah, and it could be it, they could have been working on reinforcement too, uh, putting the finishing touches on it because it was just installed on Saturday. But that doesn't mean everything was completed. Yeah, so uh, like I say, man, you talk about bad timing. That's that's some bad mm-hmm. timing. Uh, right there. So um, th- what Alex Dunn also was talking about is, yeah, if you remember the PT Cruiser Bandit or the Seasoned Bandit, he, here's a guy. And I just <clears throat> I, I just want to be able to understand the scale of this. 1998, 
wins a $19 million lottery jackpot. When you win that jackpot, you take the lump sum, basically cut it in half and add a little bit more, add like 5 more percent. So he he winds up with a $12 million lump sum, but then that's what the feds take taxes out of. But wait, there's more. He has a divorce decree, and his ex takes, or, or, or I, maybe I don't understand the the uh, the chronology here in California. That would have to be while he's married. So he gets divorced after he wins the lottery, and the ex, of course, takes half. I don't think you have you owe half if if it's if the, the ink is dry in the divorce. But anyway, so she takes her half. So they're each left with six million lump sum. Pay their federal taxes out of that. In 1998, I don't. I, I'm I'm thinking 30. percent So he's got you know the neighborhood of four million. So with four million bucks and nine, and I'm not going to re-engineer this guy's life. But in 1998, you clear four million bucks in one fell swoop, and uh, you say fairly well to the ex, and she says best of luck, stay in touch. You each go your own way. You know what I'm curious about? <clears throat> what does X do with the, with the money? Maybe she bought a bank. I, I don't know. But the guy, you, you get a $4 million kick in the wallet 20 years ago. So he's 35. 35 years old, you get $4 bucks. And by the way, uh, James Allen Hayes, the 55-year-old, 55-year-old PT cruiser bandit, also known as James Killen, and Caesar killing. So don't know what that deal's about. But, um, but so anyway, you, you talk about missed opportunities. How many of you, no matter what your age is, how many of you would love to go back to your 35th birthday and have a $4 million pile of cash and the taxes have been paid? And I mean, granted, none of us have a crystal ball. You wouldn't sit there in 1998 and fly up to Federal Way and look up Jeff Bezos and say, and say, I want in, <laughs> Bezos. I want, give me some of that action or something like that. Or you wouldn't you wouldn't go to uh, Jack in the Bay Area and say, hey, quit your job. Let's start Twitter. Okay, It's all crystal ball. But but there's things you could do in 1998 in California. Just buy some property. Just, I don't know, sit on a million dollars worth of property. Uh, um, you, know what, you know what? If you are his ex-wife, if you're looking to win some money, Listen up. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money, money. to 200-200. That's M-O-N-E-Y, by the way. Uh, answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. In fact, especially if it's from a number you don't recognize. Ignore the numbers that you do recognize. Your next chance to win is next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 every hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. Uh, you know, it's easy to read stories of success. It'd be easy to read Jeff Bezos' bio because uh, so far he's just the richest man in the world. Uh, or uh, Robert, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Gates, um, Bill Gates' story. Uh, or Paul Allen, his partner. Great life. Great life. You know, he walked away from Microsoft. The right, he was tired of. He was sitting there saying, "Why am I doing this? Why don't I take all my money and start buying sports teams and and restoring World War II aircraft to flyable state?" And so, Paul Allen, I I would be more most like him. 
Go to Washington State University, maybe go to Harvard, probably not. But that's Paul Allen. He wazoo. Good rich world's richest cougar. But this guy, at the age of thirty five, even in the middle of a divorce, whatever, he gets four million bucks. Well, you talk about lost opportunities. I want this guy to write a book. And and this is the thing. He has no motive to do it because he can't profit from his crime. But here's the thing. If he writes a book, you can't make the argument that he's profiting from his crime. Because the second to the last chapter would be, and then I spent the last dollar of my lottery winnings. And then the the final chapter would be like his plea agreement or whatever. But, wow, I got to tell you, $4 million, there's two ways to go. I think some people who are just a little messed up might be really, really, really messed up. And this is what we see over and over and over from lottery winners that I think, isn't it something like 25% of lottery winners 10 years after they win the lottery are broke or something like that? They overspend. They don't get the right advice. I have not. I mean, that's fine. You're back to square one. And at least maybe you have some junk you can sell. I, I don't I have no idea. But I've never heard of a lottery winner ending up like this as a bank robber. And he goes to jail 80 years. And oh, by the way, he's a he's a heroin addict. So he goes to Lompoc and everyone else on Lime Jello night while they're in line. They're all telling their stories about what it was that they didn't do and they were in there, uh, you know, innocently for. They get around to Hayes, to Jim Hayes, and he says, well, I won the lottery in 1998. And after I paid my uh, my ex, my future ex, I had $4 million cash. Really, what would you do? Well, I thought I would crank up that heroin habit. I mean, we had that new uh, Mexican brown coming in. I started sampling that. And then even with that, you can go be a heroin addict real estate dealer. But, uh, no, that is that is operatic, I got to say. And so that was, if you recall, the PT Cruiser Bandit. That's who that dude uh, turns out to be. Uh, it is strange science. We're definitely doing strange science. What Are we going to go around the room and vote? Because we, we, got, we got a couple good stories. So definitely strange science. All right. Well, here's a preview of strange science. Um, guess what, folks? Modern humans, you and I. We interbred with the mysterious ethnicity of human twice after leaving Africa 200,000 years ago. I want to, the reason I want to do that 23andMe now, I wasn't really interested very much because I have a fairly well documented family history. Um, is that I heard Leo Laporte on Saturday say that he did it and he's 4% Neanderthal. That's what he said. And I thought he was kidding. I looked it up. They can trace Neanderthal d- DNA in human beings. And and some people have more. Some people have have barely, um, you know, uh, detectable. But Leo Laporte said he was four percent Neanderthal. He didn't say he was kidding. And I mean, Leo is not exactly a laugh riot. So uh, that fascinated me because I had I had known I I know that Homo sapiens wiped out Neanderthals probably in the the greatest war that'll never have a name. Homo sapiens eliminated Neanderthals, but apparently not before. Intermixing with them. So that's part of uh, strange science. Uh, that also, we will continue monitoring the story that Kevin DeLeon wants you all to sit on, and that is that he named a, uh, a, uh, a in a state position an illegal alien, and he doesn't want anyone to know where she is just in case ICE gets a wild hair up their ice hole 
and they want to deport her to make an example of how the federal government, as it turns out, has supremacy over immigration matters. So Kevin DeLeon waving an illegal alien in the Fed's face. So everyone keep it quiet that she's an attorney here in Los Angeles, and I'll give you an update on that. Uh, if you're following me at Dark Secret Place on Twitter, uh, whatever you do, don't retweet that because it was in the Sacramento Bee today. So if you find that story in the Sac B, don't print it out and or don't retweet it to ICE or anything because they'll, they'll just find out where she is. Uh, back in just a minute, the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Hey, it's Brian Suits here, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. We join the press conference in Miami about the collapse bridge in progress. Also, one last statement. I've been in constant contact with Mayor Jimenez by phone. He's watching a live feed, so he's abreast of what's going on. And he's given uh, directions as he sees fit. Thank you. Good afternoon. Paul Estopian, Division Chief, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue. At approximately 1.30 this afternoon, we received a call for a collapsed bridge. Our units responded to find eight trapped vehicles under the bridge. Uh, at this time, we've transported eight victims to hospitals. Uh, we have many over 100 firefighters, technically trained TRT, technical rescue specialists, and our urban search and rescue team are working on the area, on the bridge, to try to uh, find viable victims. Thank you. Can you speak in Spanish, please? We'll, 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 we'll do it after. Good afternoon. I'm Major Chris Delapetro to Fort Hat Patrol here in Miami. Just before 2 p.m. this afternoon, the Fort Hat Patrol was notified of a bridge collapse at this location, Southwest 8th Street and 109th Avenue. As our units arrived, along with Miami-Dade Police and Fire, we observed very uh, several vehicles that were involved as a result of the collapse. At that time, it shifted to a search and rescue effort. What we are asking the public to do is to please assist us by avoiding the area of Southwest 8th Street between Southwest 107th Avenue and Southwest 117th Avenue indefinitely as this process goes on. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Juan Perez. The director of the Miami-Dade Police Department, uh, first and foremost, all of our thoughts and prayers go to those of the, the victims of this tragedy that has occurred here today. Um, you've heard from our, our, our partners here, many other partners that are out here, law enforcement and firefighters that have come to, to the aid. Uh, we thank them for their efforts. You know, FIU is here. Their police department has been great. Uh, we've, our partners from Sweetwater and Doral and so many others that have come. If I miss you, I apologize. But we thank all the agencies that are out here supporting these efforts. Um, right now, we are uh, assisting in the efforts. Right now, the, the, uh, the main focus here by the fire department, obviously, is to rescue people. And that is what we're assisting with by, by controlling traffic, assisting FHP with traffic for now. And then we're on standby because as soon as those efforts are over, our Homicide Bureau will take the lead in investigating this tragedy that has occurred. And uh, we will take the lead from that point on. The state attorney is also on standby and waiting to come in and work this case with us. So for right now, that's all we have as far as this, this incident. Uh, and a very important message that I also have is that we have established with a partnership with, uh, through FIU a reunification center right here at FIU. If you want more information on that, you can contact 
3481. That is the number that has been established for family members that are concerned that's, that maybe their, their uh, family members or friends are victimized by this incident. If you call that number, we will help you out. If you are one of those family members or if you're concerned, you know, contact that number. There is an area here to respond for the family members only. Uh, FIU police are on standby to escort everybody that comes in that wants to get to that family uh, family reunification center where our victim advocates are, are, are at so that they can assist with whatever needs are, are required of those individuals. The last thing I would like to share is that what we, you heard from FHP about people not coming into the area, please stay out of the area and we will advise you when these roads will be open again but for an extended period of time. But I also need you, the media, to please cooperate with us. There should be no information that's coming out regarding this incident unless it's coming out from us right here in this location. We will periodically update you. We do not need information that is erroneous getting out to the public because some is already getting out. And what that does is it complicates things. We want to be able to be the ones that contact next of kin. We want to be able to notify family members. Let us do that. We don't want family members to find out that a loved one is involved in this tragic incident because somebody puts it out in the media. So please, I ask you to respect those family members, those that have been impacted. But from the bottom of my heart, please cooperate with us today more than ever so that others that are impacted are not impacted by watching it on the news. We definitely do not want that. We want it to be controlled. Let us do that. We have victim advocates that are waiting to go with us so that we can deliver the news, whether it's, it's, uh, it's, it's horrible news or whether it's a news that somebody has survived this incident. We would like to do that if you can cooperate with that. And, it, it, you know, I would truly, All right. truly appreciate it. We're now eating Thank our own you. tail. Uh, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. That was the live press conference. From uh, Miami, from Florida International University, the site of a pedestrian bridge collapse. And the numbers they gave us w- were one dead, eight injured. They're still working the scene. Um, and they said viable uh, wounded. So clearly they know that there are some others under the, the wreckage who are v- visibly not viable as as patients. Um, you know what I found curious out of that, Monica Ricks, is that this is a disaster site. It's an hour and a half, two hours old, I guess, right? Yeah. Did you hear the guy say we've alerted the state attorney general, or the, yeah, the state attorney mm-hmm. to come down? Mm-hmm. So they're treating it like some sort of industrial size incompetence occurred, possibly rising to criminal level. So, uh, so that happened. So there, there must be they, – they must know something immediately that this is not uh, – you know, this wasn't up for 20 years and it was a structural failure that no one predicted. This went up Saturday. And so there, there must be some information there at the scene uh, because they haven't recovered all the bodies and they're alerting the state attorney down here. Well, the state attorney usually travels with the governor when there's a big – tragedy we saw it with the massacre in Broward County that's a crime um right and so the governor's on his way state attorney general Pam Bondi uh she'll be going with him as well we know the construction company has acknowledged that something went wrong yeah and they you know they're devastated by it as they said in a statement but that part of this is probably days away yeah, but the uh, because but, right now they're just worried about getting those people 
or bodies out from under the well, bridge that's and, what clearing, I'm saying. and clearing the road. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. No, they're not. They're what they're, they know right now that if that is something that was a result of human error, they need to preserve. That becomes a crime scene tonight, right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they're they're <clears throat> they're going to work as quickly as possible to clear that road. May, well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that's a huge stretch of Miami. Sure, but if uh, Mulholland collapsed on 405 as a result of incompetence, there'd be yellow tape around it, and they'd, they'd try to open it up as soon as they can, but it sounds to me like information was developed right there at the scene that has led them to, uh, to, to begin you know, the possibility of investigating this as if, if it's a human error, it's a human error. But if it's a you know if it's something that could be could have been avoided, uh, so that's what it looks like they're 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 treating this. So uh, so we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, in the state of California, um, we're we're, we're going to pay out money for something far different uh, here. Uh, the Caltrans porn ring. Oh, you hadn't heard about that? Yeah, the attorney who represented a former Caltrans employee in a salacious workplace pornography lawsuit is uh, taking credit for the resignations of two high-ranking state executives, but also he's requesting millions in legal fees for his work over the past five years. The recent resignations of the director of CalDOT, Malcolm Doherty, and Chief Deputy Director uh, Kome Ajise, I guess, uh, coincided with milestones in the lawsuit. Uh, The Deputy Director, pardon me, the Chief Deputy Director was on the witness uh, list, but he never took the stand. So the the way it works is, last November, a jury in San Joaquin County awarded former Caltrans employee Rachel Elizondo six hundred five thousand dollars. She claimed she experienced retaliation after blowing the whistle on a group of almost twenty four Caltrans employees who were sharing on their own computers and a common drive stored pornography, which is always a wise move. Uh, whether you work for someone else in the private sector or you're actually a state employee, her attorney is now asking the judge to award him $4.6 million in fees for his time and the risk he took in suing Caltrans. Uh, the trial lasted more than 30 days. If he had uh, lost the case, then his client, Rachel Elizondo, would, would have been on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars in Caltrans legal expenses. So, uh, so hey, Caltrans, that's like the cost of uh, half a half a median. You have to pay out um, um, five million. the The employee Rachel Elizondo had sued Caltrans in two thousand nine for a uh, a different deal. She felt ostracized after reporting financial mismanagement at Caltrans. Which and let the irony of that just sink in. That an employee at Caltrans finds financial man- mismanagement, and rather than everybody in the coffee room backslapping each other and calling it Wednesday, a- apparently the mismanagement was so egregious that she was ostracized. So I would, but but wait, the, that's not the punchline. Punchline is the jury in that case sided with Caltrans that she was not ostracized enough to sue. Not not that Caltrans wasn't financially mismanaged. But that her ostracization, her alienation that she felt at the hands of fellow Caltrans employees wasn't enough to win the lawsuit. But the juries in San Joaquin County do, however, draw the line at porn rings. So uh, she won that one. Now her attorney wants $4.6 million.
from Caltrans. We'll be back in just a second. Uh, it is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. And uh, they will be back in one last time for Handle tomorrow morning. Me and Jane Wells will be here from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow. And then Handle hopefully back Monday if everything works well. We'll be back right after this KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon again tomorrow. Gary and Shannon back in for Handle, hopefully, one last time. And then Handle will be back on Monday. Uh, I'll be in here with Jane Wells for Gary and Shannon from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. There, are, there is a story that's just too good to avoid, and it's scientific, but it's strange. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. All right, John, you're very funny. A 32-year-old billionaire, and we all know the type. Silicon Valley 32-year-old billionaire is going to pay $10,000 to be humanely killed so the contents of his brain can be digitally uploaded and preserved forever. For real. Uh, This is the, the Daily Mail in Britain. Dailymail.co.uk, a real newspaper. They're in, they wrote Silicon. Silicon Valley with an E on the end. Oh, I'm sorry, you misspelled Beverly Hills. Uh, now, this is Silicon Valley. Entrepreneur Sam Altman is one of 25 people on a waiting list at Nectome, a startup company that says they can upload the contents of a, of a person's brain and store it on a computer. And this scam only costs 10000 bucks. And then uh, this way to the egress, and people are signing up for this. But in exchange for eternally preserving his mind, the 32-year-old will have to die in a process similar to physician-assisted suicide, which is only legal in five states. By the way, and it's not legal to fill up a frickin' thumb drive with your think piece. It's only if you're certified medically to be terminally ill. But anywho, somewhat ironically, the company Altman founded, Y Combinator, funds startups like Nectome. It's almost as if he's being scammed. Isn't That's the weirdest thing. The process he signed up for involves embalming the brain so it can later be simulated onto a computer. According to the MIT Technology Review, the customer, comma, alive, comma, is hooked up to a machine and then injected with Nectome's embalming chemicals. The company said the method is, in their words, quote, 100% fatal, close quote. <clears throat> At least they haven't had any complaints yet. How do they know that? On humans, by the way. And how do they know that they can replicate your brain um, forever in a computer? And how do you know the computer is not going to be uh, absorbed by Skynet? But anyway, you know what? Good for him. I hope they uh, do it as soon as he can possibly uh, work it out at only 10000 bucks a pop. I think he could have got more out of them. Uh, I mean, the company could get more out of them because that's you're, you are literally offering eternal mental life to a billionaire for only ten thousand bucks. I think you're lowballing yourself. You could get two fifty out of the guy. So there you go. There's your strange science. Well, I, again, uh, please help Kevin Daly on help his newly appointed uh, state education official for for SOAP, the state opportunity. Pardon me, the student opportunity and access program uh, grant advisory committee. Kevin DeLeon yesterday faxed out a press release and electronically transferred a press release to media outlets throughout California. So everyone be quiet because he has appointed the first illegal alien to a statewide post. 
And you'd think, well, anyone who doesn't want Ice to get pissed off and come roll her up would never put her name in the news release. Oh, no, no, it's okay. 33-year-old Lisbeth Mateo, M-A-T-E-O, Lisbeth, L-I-Z-B-E-T-H, Mateo. I tweeted out her Facebook page. She's right here in L.A. She's an attorney and immigration rights activist. She will serve on the California SOAP, the Student Opportunity and Access Program Grant Advisory Committee. Kevin DeLeon can't help himself, of course, when there's a microphone. And he said, quote, while Donald Trump fixates on walls, California will continue to concentrate on opportunities. Ms. Mateo is a courageous, determined, and intelligent young woman who, at great personal risk, has dedicated herself to fight for those seeking their rightful place in this country. Close quote. Their rightful place in this country. Again, here's Kevin DeLeon deluded into thinking that trespassers have a rightful place in the house they break into. No, if you come into this country illegally, you have no rightful place unless that's the immigration court. Hey, that's how that works. But then again, remember, consider the source, Kevin DeLeon has bragged about the fact that he has relatives who have uh, stolen IDs. So there, there's that. But, but don't worry, it's Jeff Sessions who's vindictive. But if he's wondering who's going to win this fight, Kevin DeLeon's public press release that the Sacramento Bee printed or ICE, then uh, just go no further than my Twitter feed, at Dark Secret Place, and retweet uh, the warning that I gave to everybody, which is do whatever you do, do not give at ICE under understroke gov that information. So uh, help help us do your your citizens due diligence and help Kevin DeLeon protect Lisbeth Mateo, illegal alien lawyer, now at a, in a statewide position. So if if Kevin's going to rub my nose in it, I'm going to go ahead and rub his nose in it. So there's some nose rubbing going on. One of us. Uh, one of us is legally correct, and we'll we'll just see who that's going to be. We'll uh, be back tomorrow again. Bill Handel is going to be back here Monday, and uh, our thoughts and prayers. And that's that that works lately. Uh, so uh, so he'll uh, he'll be there. Gary and Shannon in for Bill tomorrow. Uh, me and Jane Wells. Also, baby animal bracket that's up there. KFI AM six forty dot com. Look for the Gary and Shannon uh, show page. Baby animal bracket again. USC is eligible for the baby animal bracket, and now, uh, no, Gonzaga won, damn it. All right. So anyway, that, uh, oh, Arizona State. So, yeah, West Coast basketball is getting shelled. Uh, so tomorrow, again, uh, Gary and Shannon in for Bill Handel. Me and Jane Wells from CNBC, uh, our, our uh, frequent host here on uh, on KFI, will be here with me. Brian Suits back tomorrow at 10 a.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to Gary and Shannon? And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness.